Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This time, he's back again. He's looking. He is going deep for Quez Watkins, who has it and goes in for the touchdown. The strike to Quez Watkins. He hit him in stride for 53 yards. Second down and eight. Wentz in the end zone, taken down, lost the football, rolls out of the back of the end zone. It's a safety. Well, there you go. Says it all. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack now with my pal Mike Sealski. Mike, I carefully chose those highlights. Yeah, it's good we didn't stack the deck or anything like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, everybody knows the big story. Tomorrow, Eagles against the Washington Commies down in D.C. <laughs> I only wish this game was here. That's the only regret I have. Uh, the, the story all week, and what we'll talk about a lot today, is Wentz versus Hurts. Yes, they will never be on the field at the same time, of course, but that's what the networks will be highlighting. It's what the fans will be looking at. It's where we open. Um, let's start with Hurts. Mike, because last Monday, 333 yards, spread the ball around, did a really nice job. His running remains incredible, not just as a scrambling quarterback, but as a as a runner. As he and Josh Allen are the only two guys I think who can run with that kind of power. Um, how do we feel about Hurts now? Is your opinion? I know two games are two games, and you know the things can change week to week. But give me your snapshot view, Mike Sealski of what you're seeing with Jalen Hurts right now. I'm seeing what I think everybody else is seeing, uh, that Hurts has taken steps forward, both as a passer and as the orchestrator of the offense. What we saw against Minnesota was what we knew to be true already, at least on those two touchdown runs, was, as you said, his strength, his ability to fight through tackles. He seems to be very smart when he runs with the ball. Mm -hmm. He slides, he gets down. He generally, through two games, has avoided a big hit, at least not set himself up for one. He got hit right. a few times against the Lions late, but that wasn't his fault. And you saw what the Vikings did and what his running ability forces teams and opponents to do, which is, okay, we're not going to let him beat us with his legs. We're going to try to limit that as much as we can. So we're going to play zone and we're going to make him beat us throwing the ball which he then did. Um, you know, he was on point with his passes. The Eagles, I thought their wide receivers were excellent in terms of the way they ran routes against that defense, settling into soft spots, giving Hurts easy targets to hit. 
Uh, he's been very impressive through two games. Yeah, and only five incompletions all night. And and part of that, as much as I can read it, and 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 I get this from listening and reading to people smarter than I. Um, the Vikings tried to stop him from running, tried to play his zone in order to curtail that. And what that meant is the Eagles receivers were wide open all night. So, you know, killed if you do, killed if you don't. Yeah, if he's going to continue to throw the ball as he has through these first two games, and again, he's not going to continue to throw the ball that way. He's been that good. Um, There's going to be a slight regression. That's the nature of an NFL season. But this is now something else that a defense has to guard against. It's not just, okay, if Hurts isn't beating you with his legs, you're in great shape because he's not reading defenses and he's throwing the ball late and all the complaints that people had. Right. Last season, so far those complaints, again, so far, don't have a whole lot of merit. Let's see as film is gathered and defenses start to adjust. Right, and you're going to play – listen, the Vikings are a good team. You're going to play some tough teams. Um, but, boy, he did look good. Um, just a couple little uh, stat notes. That uh, touchdown run, the 26-yard touchdown run, where, man, he showed some power on that. It's the Eagles' longest touchdown run since Donovan McNabb had a 40-yarder in 2002. I remember that game. That was, a, I think, against the Giants, uh, where he just kind of... It was very similar to Hertz's run in that kind of went around the end, carried it like a running back, took off upfield. And I think the most impressive thing about the 26-yarder that Hertz had on Monday night was, you know, watching and listening to both Joe Buck and Merrill Reese, both play-by-play voices were surprised that Hertz kept going. That he got in, yeah. They, that, yeah. oh, wow, he's still going yeah. and he's in the end zone. And, yeah. Um, that that was kind of cool to, to hear. Through two games, 28 rushing attempts, 147 yards, three touchdowns, avoiding turnovers. And uh, I'll give you a – this is uh, Dave Zangaro of uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Well, he pulled it off at Pro Football Focus, but so I'll give credit to both. He has 105 rushing yards after contact, which ranks 12th among not, just, not quarterbacks, all players in the NFL first among quarterbacks. He's tough. Don't want him to do this too much, but boy, he's just doing it well. He's throwing well. He's leading well. It's yeah, we're whatever. Yeah, twelve percent through a season, but boy, it is. It's good so far. The, the interesting thing to me about that stat, Glenn, is what it says about. And again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the Eagles' future with Hurts and how they view it, right? Like we spent all off season talking about how they had positioned themselves. So that if Hertz did not meet expectations, they could go out and yeah. draft another quarterback. Right. Okay. So if but through two games, they are playing as if Jalen Hurts is still the nexus of their offense. So I wonder, maybe I'm wrong about this, and again, it's very early. I wonder if they are just looking at this and saying, We are going to maximize everything out of Jalen Hurts that we possibly can because we are positioned to replace him if we need to. What are you saying? I'm saying that if they are running Jalen Hurts a lot. I mean, if he gets hurt, we can live with it because we have... They, they don't want him to get hurt. I'm not suggesting they no, want him to get I, I, hurt. Okay, go but ahead. But what I'm saying is, if he were to get hurt, we are positioned well enough to deal with that. Therefore, let us maximize him as much as we can. Let it, you know, We're huh. not going to keep him from running. We're not going to force him to stay in the pocket. Let Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts. And if he stays healthy and continues playing this way, incredible. Great. We will take it, of course. But we're going to maximize it as much, you know, take 
everything out of it that we possibly can. And if something bad happens, we are positioned to deal with it. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, it's almost like you're saying the way teams look at running backs, which is, hey, we'll probably get five, six years out of this guy at most. Let's run him 300 times a year because that's what we got. And if we have to move on, we do. Is that what you're saying? I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on. Interesting. Okay. I wonder. I don't know. It's part of this that they look at it as, hey, we have the opportunity to be really good. That's so the other part. Not hold, don't put on the brakes. Right, exactly. If this if this is the best team that we are going to be this season by having huh. Jalen Hurts play this way, then we're going to play this way. So you're asking me, will I take two years of Jalen Hurts in a Super Bowl appearance over six years of Jalen Hurts? And, and who knows? Yeah, the answer is, of course. I will. Darn right. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen, I wish you all the best. All right. In other news, now on to Carson Wentz. Against Detroit last week, 337 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, six sacks. I think five sacks were in the first half. Mm -hmm. That strip sack safety that we played. Um, Well, you have a piece uh, in the paper today about how uh, Jonathan Gannon may scheme against Carson Wentz, which is basically you know this guy holds the ball forever, right? Yeah, look – the weak link or a weak link on Washington's team is their offensive line. It's not very good. Uh, and we've seen in Philadelphia what happens when Wentz plays behind a lot, an offensive line that isn't very good. That's what happened in 2020. It was the anomaly year for the Eagles. They were weak up front. And Wentz held the ball and committed turnovers mm. and did all the wrong things. So, Oh, God, if, I would scream. Yeah. I, I mean, we all like, get rid of the freaking ball. Yeah, yes. and... I think this game sets up very well for the Eagles from that perspective because what Jonathan Gannon wants to do, I think, is rush for and generate pressure from that. Well, the Eagles should be able to do that against this offensive line, Mm. which in turn allows them to put seven men back to confuse or, you know, complicate things for Wentz and keep receivers in front of him and force him to hold the ball, which is what you want him to do. Give you an over-under of... 5.1 5.1 combined sacks and interceptions and or Wentz fumbles. Ooh. 5.1, I'll take the under, but only Ooh, only, really? be, only because it, four combined fumbles and interceptions would be... No, I'm giving you sacks, too. Oh, and sacks. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, okay. So so sacks and turnovers. Sacks and Wentz turnovers. Oh, okay. Not the running back turns it over. Sacks and Wentz turnovers. Oh, well, then, that, then in that case, no, I'll, I'll take the over. Six. Ooh, that's yeah. a win. Six. Eagles win that game. Absolutely. I think Eagles will win this game. I like it. I like it. So the other issue, of course, this is the first time Wentz is playing the Eagles, and there's a whole lot of – I've heard some people this week, some hosts and callers, like, come on, move on. It's We're mature. That's in the past. Why would we worry about that? No, you're a fan. This is a guy who was one of the most important characters in this franchise in the last decade, the last however long you want to go. Um he was almost the MVP the year you won the Super Bowl. You don't win the Super Bowl without him. But then comes all of the other stuff. I can't just like, oh, yes, well, hey, I wish him well. I don't care. I care. I care a lot. <laughs> of course I care. You have to care. Um, I want to play something. This is Wentz was asked this week in Washington, kind of looking back at his time in Philadelphia. I give the reporters down there some credit for kind of approaching it. I wish they had dived a little deeper into it, but this is him talking about, eh, maybe he's matured. Perspective changes when, A, you grow up, A, you know, you have you get married, you have, have a kid. You know, I think your perspective on life changes, on <clears throat> on your job, on work, on everything, and, and just um, 
you know, I think there are there's always things I look back on that, man, I could have been better here. I could have been better as a person, as a teammate, you know, lots of things um, that, that you do take for granted. And so I think uh, I definitely thank God for the experiences I've had, even though sometimes they're, they're dark or sometimes they're, you know, not how I envision them to be. But I think it's allowed me to grow uh, as a person. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. All right. So sift through the beginning and the end. But if you go into the middle, he says, yeah, I probably should have done some things different. It's as far, it's as much of a confession as you're going to get from an athlete. Like, I was a baby. I screwed yeah. up. And we're going to actually play another former Philadelphia athlete later in the show who doesn't approach that. No. Your take on what he said. Look, he he messed up in certain respects. He just did. Um, there were conflicts with teammates. Uh, there was a sense of entitlement that settled in. My, my colleague at the Inquirer, Jeff McLean, has a terrific piece out this morning in which he relays an anecdote from Wentz's rookie season in which Wentz was driving to Lincoln Financial Field for, I think, a preseason game and missed an exit for Lincoln Financial Field. I got news. So have I. Yeah, and (laughs) gets there a little bit late, and it's kind of dicey as to whether he's going to make it for warm-ups, after which point Jeffrey Lurie says, Carson will now have a police escort to and from the stadium. It was the first time Lurie had ever done that for a player on the Eagles, and it's kind of the starting point for... The creation of kind of a monster. Oh, that's uh, interesting. You know, in terms of entitlement and thinking you're the center of the world and all that kind of stuff. And so my feeling on the Wentz situation is it's a it's a good lesson for franchises in Philadelphia in terms of understanding really what kind of athlete can thrive here. I think the Eagles looked at Wentz and saw North Dakota. They saw Hunt's own food. They saw Guy Wears Levi's. And they thought, that's a tough kid. He will be able to handle Philadelphia. And as it turned out, within two years of signing a major contract extension, he didn't want to be here anymore. He couldn't handle it. And yeah. I think that's instructive for teams. you got to look below the surface here to find out exactly if a guy can handle playing Okay, here. and I don't know if I uh, attach geography to it, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, to me, it's that, and, and yes, the way you lay out his personality and traits, I thoroughly agree. I don't know if I ever liked a player more and felt more betrayed by him. And I felt that when that he could not handle adversity, um, and he quit on the team. And he just quit on the town. And we, and we never got an explanation. He just kind of totally bailed on the whole thing when everybody had invested so much in him, from the Eagles to the fan base to his teammates. And he's just like, nah, I don't like the way you drafted this guy. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm quitting. And I- and. and God, that bothered me. I don't feel betrayed as much as I feel puzzled as to why he couldn't make the changes in his game that would have led him to greater success. Well, that's a two-part question. So there's the game. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agree. And there's the the guy. Yeah. It's the quitting. I I will take physical failures uh, ahead of his mental, I don't know, failures, but again, is just bailing out. Yeah. You quit. You bailed. He's a he's one of many thoroughly modern professional athletes. We've seen this time and time again. Again, we're going to talk about one later in the show uh, who say, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore, and I have the power to go somewhere else. Uh, yes, you're, you are correct. And, and my um, exposures with him, my, my contacts with him were fairly limited, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I interviewed him twice and once was with somebody else, and it's, you know, you get that. You don't get much. The one thing I'll always remember about Wentz, and when I told you the story before, and I thought he was a good guy, and I thought this is the mark of the man, which is 
I used to do a um, a webcast down at the Eagles twice a week, and so I went down there, and uh, Dave Spadaro was there interviewing Wentz for uh, the thing, and it finished, and I just remember when it was over, Wentz, young player, might have been the Super Bowl year, walked around the room and personally walked up to every cameraman, every producer, everybody in the room and said, thank you, I appreciate your mm-hmm. time, thank you, thank you. And you know most athletes, if they do something like that, as soon as it's over, their eyes are at the door and they're gone, and they don't talk to anybody because right. they don't have to, right? And they're, mm-hmm. maybe they're just in the zone. It impressed me that this kid took the time to realize that these people there who are not making a lot of money and were excited to be in the room with him, and he gave them each eye contact and a story. I thought, oh, this is a good guy. And I was so wrong! <laughs> and that's what bothers me is I was so wrong in reading the man. Yeah, I- here, here's the spin. I don't know if spin is the right word. Here's the perspective I would put on that, though, Glenn. When we think, I think there's a there's a, an expectation from the public about professional athletes that has existed for a long time that when an athlete signs a long-term contract with a particular franchise, that that is a show of loyalty to that franchise and that city. And what's changing in that dynamic, I think, is athletes now say to themselves, I'm the one with the power now. I have the contract. I have the contract. So they got to kowtow to me a little bit. And if they don't do what I want in the way I want it done, I actually can force their hand. And I think that's what happened with Wentz. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, real quick. I just want to work in the Philly. Second straight night. They beat Atlanta coming off that five-game losing streak. Great job by Nola last night. Nola's been good in seven of his last ten starts. Maybe we get good Nola in September through September. You know, I I know it would do a lot for your nerves. It would. Your gastrointestinal yes. situation, yeah. all of that. My gastrointestinal is fine, thank you. But not, <laughs> you know. uh, they are now 83-67 and 67 with 12 to, uh, left to go. They're a half game against the Padres, I think, now, uh, who lost last night. So the Phillies jumped ahead. They're two and a half on the Brewers, who won last night. Coming down to the final weekend is what's going to happen. Um, and they play, the, they're, in, they're in the road after tomorrow for ten, the final 10, which I don't like, but no. whatever. Today, Bailey Falter five and three against Kyle Wright nineteen and five. So okay, here's here's my reason for optimism. Right. If you're a Phillies fan, very yeah. quickly, yeah, Bryce Harper is not hitting right now. Yeah, which means he's going to hit eventually. Yeah, so okay. keep it's that good. in mind. Okay, last thing I'll sneak in a caller here too. This week uh, we give away, as always, a fifty dollar gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or ShyBSports.com. We have a great Shy Sports throwback moment coming later in the show. But uh, the best caller of the day, as judged by Moshe Kravitz, gets the fifty dollar gift card. Let's sneak in Ryan here. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? All right, great, Ryan. Good. I'm actually in Delco right now, going to visit oh. my buddies at Temple. Where would you rather be than, than but, Delco? Uh, anyway. the greatest. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the defensive line and stopping the run because I'm not really concerned about the offense that much. It, like the whole Dalvin Cook thing with Minnesota, that was great, but that was a total miscue on Minnesota's play call. And then you look at DeAndre Swift, who's definitely one of the best running backs in the league. Mm-hmm. And they really couldn't stop him. They gave, they gave some really big plays up to him, and that makes me worried later in the season. How are they going to stop the running backs? Well, I don't think they're going to have to worry about it too much this week because Washington kind of struggles to run the ball. Um, and oh, yeah, they, they're garbage. They're yeah, dog water. Um, <laughs> and, and to be honest, Ryan, you know, while teams may look at that Lions game and say, okay, we can gash the Eagles with the run, teams in the NFL, very few of them are inclined to do that, I think, where they say, okay, well, we'll just we'll run the ball down a team's throat 
because they can't handle it. Um, teams in the NFL want to throw the ball nowadays. Mo- you know, nine out of ten of them do. So, um, is it is it great that the Eagles struggled against the Lions that way? Of course not. But um, I think we got to see yet. And I think, uh, as I said, Washington is going to struggle. What their leading rusher Antonio Gibson's averaging three point one a carry. It's mm-hmm. it's not much of a, a danger to the Eagles. I think. Oh no, but I'm I'm more concerned about like come playoff time when we're facing like teams just all around the league that are going to have that strong uh, cold, running back. Cold presence. weather, because, January, because NFC East football. I yeah. hear you. I think you, I I kind of agree with Mike. You're worried more at this point than you need to worry about that. My biggest concern is the pass rush right now. Yeah. Just, they got to generate a pass rush. Two on five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four. We will definitely get some calls in the next segment. Whether you want to talk about the Eagles, the Phillies, I see uh, Jerry's got some Phillies thoughts, uh, or whatever is on your mind. We are going to run the gamut today. Big highlight. Eleven o'clock. Mike Sealski. What's happening? Charlie Manuel love is going to be joining us. Oh, I love him. He's like he's my favorite person to. Talk I, I have to. a great anecdote about Charlie. That I don't know if I'll share it while we're talking to him or just after. Him, right. but I love it. There you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on ninety four WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the twelve precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Joseph awaits the whistle. He approaches the football. He kicks it. It is high and it is short. Coming up quickly is Watkins. It bounces in front of him. He picks it up at the 10 
and gets to about the 15, maybe the 17. That's it. That was a short kickoff, I feel, on purpose. And there was nothing he could do about it. The Eagles are deep in their own territory. Yeah, very strange. Because- yeah, there was something he could do about it, Merrill. He could have <laughs> run with the damn thing. Uh, why do we play that? I mean, the Quez Watkins touchdown was certainly much more exciting than a Quez Watkins four-yard kickoff return to My- the 18. Glenn, it depends on your definition yeah, of exciting. I know. So that was played because... Mike and I have our stupid football bet this year, which is essentially based on field position <laughs> and putt and kickoff returns, thus stupid. Uh, do you remember? Can you lay out the parameters quickly? Sure. I believe it was um, anytime the Eagles did something uh, poor on a punt return or a kickoff return, don't return it. I think it's kickoffs past the 20-yard line. Correct. Um, punts. Huh. Beyond the 40-yard line, if they muff a punt. Something. No, if any, any no, not beyond the 40. Punts that are muffed, muffed you get a fumbled. point for, yeah. yes. And fumbled, yes. yes. And when it's good, you get a point. Yeah, essentially, which has happened once. And yes. you have four points after week two. Man, i got to start saving up for dinner already. Glenn, I am not one to gloat or <laughs> count my chickens before they're hatched. Yeah, but... Um, I like to take it one game at a time, one play at a time, and the good Lord willing, things will work out. Yeah, well, they're working out for you so far. Um, I mean, again, I don't want to talk about this long, but if the guy pops a ball up to the 14, just run forward with it. (laughs) What is Quez dancing? And he did it twice, by the way. You got two points on that this week. Well, look, I, I... I can neither confirm nor deny that each time I walk into the Eagles locker room during the media availability sessions, I am greasing Quez Watkins so that I can win this bet. They've been so bad on returns for so long. Yeah, it ain't good. No, and it ain't it's, good. And it's going to cost me dinner for four, you, me, and two producers at a site which is yet unknown because I haven't figured out who, who I can... Yeah, and what's interesting about it is that it's not as if Nick Sirianni and his staff aren't aware of the issues. In fact, Sirianni talked about it on Friday morning. I do pay attention to that. And so that's a, that's a combination of, yes, just the return yards, you know, the, um, you know, turnovers, all, all different sorts of things. And so, um, you know, because that is important, you know, where you're, where you're getting the football. And, and I don't spend too much time on that because I, I know that changes throughout the week, um, or pardon me, throughout the year. Um, but yeah, no doubt. Do we want our you know to be able to create explosive plays with our return game? Um, and and I'm confident in what we're doing as, right, okay. as far right, as how right. we're so doing blah, it. Blah blah blah. Just do it, Nick. Just do it. Hey. I'm confident in our return game. Get me something. Glenn, take heart. Yeah, they have heard your pleas <laughs> and they are working on it. Yeah, that's good. I get points for punt returns over 20 yards. Good luck or kickoffs that where you get field position past the 40 right the only one i got was when the vikings tried an onside hey man i need help with this return game all right <laughs> sounds enough. like sirianni's on your side though glenn i'm sure he would like me to win would like to see him make some changes that facilitate that glenn is going to come out for the firing of michael clay eagle special teams coordinator well, he's not helping me that's for sure <laughs> jerry in newcastle jerry you're feeling good about the phillies eh oh yeah guys how you guys doing this morning great jerry I'm a I'm a truck driver. I talked to you last week. When you, you banished me because I I nicknamed myself Nails, but it's Nails Twenty. Oh, uh, Nails, yeah. Remember, remember, the, remember Jer- Nails. Jerry, uh, the rule uh, still applies. You cannot give yourself your own nickname. That is yeah, against I, the rules. Mike, I didn't. It was given to me when I played softball. Uh, we need evidence. That, 
All right, Jerry, okay. I don't want to talk about uh, your nickname. Let's talk about the Phillies. Okay, here we go. Um, we're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt. Okay, um, I want to know from you guys, who do you think the three starting pitchers are going to be? Okay, good if, question. Besides, besides, but I got two other points when I'm when you guys. Uh, that's fine. The All right, I think this is a pretty easy question. I think it's Nola. I think it's Wheeler, and I think it's Ranger. Yeah. That's that's my thought too. I believe that I believe the same thing. Now the order the order you can debate. My Sunday partner Jody Mack wants to hold back Nola or Wheeler for Game Three. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's kind of tough. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not with Jody on that, but I you know I gotta I'll let him explain his position next time I see him. The, the other uh, thing, I, yeah, I, go ahead, Jerry. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Keep going, Mike. I'm no, sorry. I was just going to say, once the playoffs roll around, too, the other thing you have to keep in mind is that you're going to have to have and probably end up using starters in relief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy like a Bailey Falter, for instance, may have to come into a game in the third inning or uh, a Noah Syndergaard to pitch two or three innings because it's do or die every game. Yep. All right, what else you got? Yeah. Okay. To your, to, you haven't got to the segment yeah, but what? But your what are you watching segment? Yeah, I watched a documentary on Netflix last night about Nolan Ryan. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. You, you guys, you guys got to watch. You may it. be it's jumping, happy. Mike Sealski, and thanks for the call, man. We'll talk to you next but, week because. I think you said that's uh, that's that's in your queue to be watching for next week. I, I actually watched it last night. I, we, I wasn't going to talk about it today because we already have something for what we're watching that mm-hmm. we're going to kick around. But I did watch that documentary as well, and I will save my review of it okay. for next week. All right, I, I'll try to catch it this week. Uh, David in North Philly. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, what's going on? How's your sister doing? Oh, she's good. She's good. Give her um, my best. <laughs> She's working. She Good. actually, um, she actually asked about you because my mom did a peach bourbon baked bean. She made the sauce and everything. Ooh, wow! And well, this time of year, it's supposed to be good. But I'm not, I'm not a bean person. But I put the sauce on steak, and it comes out amazing. Oh, you're living large, man. Dave, can you can you ha- have your family ship a quart of that, please, to Twenty Fourth and Market Streets? I don't have to have it shipped there. Usually, I was ex- I made deliveries to Twenty Fourth and Market uh, three times in the last three weeks. Well, if, if, it, ha- if reason- it happens to be on a weekend, we'd love it. Um, let's talk Eagles. What are you thinking? All right. Well, the the you, you mentioned the, um, the pass rush. They had two sacks. I think one of them was negated by the face mask penalty, and. The part of the pass rush that didn't actually get home for sacks mm-hmm. is what's causing some of these turnovers. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually, I mean, I, I mean, obviously you want to see the sacks. It was but- better. It was better. I'm not fully confident yet that this is a team that can consistently generate a good pass rush. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I want to see more tomorrow. Sacks. They I'm, will. I'm not. I'm not a fan overall. I'm not a fan of you know the the hurries and stuff. I, I mean, again, I'm 42. I grew up with Reggie and Clyde. Yeah. Even if you go forward to William Fuller, these guys got 12, 13, 14 sacks. Yeah. I like to see that just because. But the turnovers. I mean, last year and even a couple of years, they weren't getting the turnovers. All now, right, I got a um, trivia question for you, and I'm 90 sure. percent sure I'm right. I probably shouldn't ask you if I'm not 100. Who was the last Eagles player to have double digit sacks? Uh, probably Connor Barwin. Oh, you're so good, Dave. Wow, good yeah. job, Dave. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm. 
we're, we're you know we're a defensive city. We love the we love the Always team. Have. We love the big plays, but the, something about taking um, taking that edge to the other team, especially. I mean, Darius Slade did it with the pick six last year. You make that pick six, even well, even last game. I mean, they were yeah. in the red zone. Yeah. So I'll ask you. I'll ask you. What I, I'm going to give you the number I gave Mike. Okay. And I, 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 five and a half is the number. Yeah. Over under tomorrow, Dave. Combined Eagles sacks plus Wentz turnovers. Under. Under. Wow. Ooh, I don't like under. I don't like under either. I think I think it is an over. And it's you know Dave raised an interesting point about the way the Eagles play defense against Minnesota. They blitzed. Much, much more than Jonathan Gannon usually does, something like 24% of the yeah, time. Yeah, they did. They're not going to have to do that, in theory, against Wentz, as we said earlier, because they should be able to generate pressure with just four men. Yes. Yeah, I love the way it's like, yeah, Wentz, you know, he's just going to stand, stand back, back there and look around and then and drop the ball. <laughs> He's, or or he, shift it from his right hand to his left and try to throw it out of the end zone. Oh, and, that was the all-timer, oh, man. Oh, man. That was, yeah. Very complex. I, I I got other questions about Wentz I want to ask you as you go on. Uh, we'll take some calls, 215-592-9494. And Wentz wasn't the only former Philadelphia athlete who broke your heart who had something to say this week. We'll come back and play you something that I just find entirely mind-boggling. Don't forget Charlie Manuel at 11 o'clock. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Charlie Manuel at the top of the hour. Eagles football tomorrow. I'll be doing pregame starting at 10 a.m. with Ross Tucker, Joe Giglio, Merrill Reese, cast of thousands. Uh, looking forward to that one as the Eagles go down to Washington. Take on the commies, Carson Wentz. Let's get Clay in Kansas City. What's going on, Clay? Eagles Chief Super Bowl, are you seeing it? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, I called the show last week. Yeah. Um, told you that uh, I wasn't worried. And I'll tell you, I think Gannon juiced up the pressure a little bit. Um, if you remember back when we had Trotter, we were very successful with that A-gap blitz. Loved it. You know what I mean? Oh, I loved and, it. He would just bust up rushing plays before they even began. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so to me, I think Gannon has seen the light a little bit. I think he's got the speed and the talent to bring that pressure up the middle. Um, I'm telling you, Carson, um, he, he's going to give – I mean, I like the over bet. I'll put it to you that way because he's going to struggle this week. That that offensive line, not too great. Um, Carson is going to make some mistakes. Um, I, would lay the, I would lay the six and a half at this point. Did you see how that game opened on the line and how it shifted so yeah, quickly? Yeah, it was yeah. four, right? It mm-hmm. went to six and a half? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it did. Actually, I, I heard it opened at two. I think um, it opened at four, but whatever. It moved for a line to move two and a half points is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, Glenn. I, I, and listen, I'll listen off the air. But the, one more thing, you know, I'm I'm a Midwest guy. You know, some guys just aren't cut out for Philly. You got to have a you got to have an edge. You know, and Carson didn't have the edge. You know, Nick Foles, even though he was kind of a religious guy, for some reason he kind of still had that edge to him. You know, and Jalen has that edge. So I, I do think that's the big reason. I don't okay. wish any ill will on Mike, Carson Wentz. All right, th- and, and thanks. I appreciate it. You kind of came in with the Carson Wentz wasn't fit for this town, right? So, yeah, th- I like think that's Foles how it shook out. was, Carson was. I don't, like, what am I seeing from one that I'm not seeing from the other? I, Only that one of them won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't say that Nick Foles has an edge any more than I would say that about any professional athlete. They all have an edge to a certain degree, or else they wouldn't be professional athletes. I think Nick 
just thrived in Philadelphia in large part because he had a sensibility that allowed him to handle the pressure here. You know, very religious guy, very grounded, um, was playing for coaches in Philadelphia who at the time gave him an advantage. Chip Kelly was the brand new thing in 2013 when Nick Foles throws 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich revamped the offense for the playoffs in 2018. That was really, they do deserve so much credit for that. They really do. And, you know, you go into a Super Bowl against Bill Belichick where you actually have the strategic advantage because he doesn't have any game film really to study. Yeah, it's true. Um, So I think that's part of it. I don't think necessarily the Foles Wentz comparison has as much to do with edge as it. I agree, but you, but you said all athletes have edge. You know who may not have edge? Ben Ta- Simmons. Uh. <laughs> okay, thank you for the transition. Not only does Ben Simmons not have a jump shot, he does not have edge. He does not. So Ben Simmons sat down this week with J.J. Reddick for Reddick's podcast, and, and I opined on social media that it was like this most softball interview since, what's his name, Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Right? Ben's good enough. He's smart enough. And doggone it, people do not like him. No, they do not like him. And and I got some people said, like, well, what are you expecting from J.J. Redick? He's a colleague. He's not going to do it. And that may be true. It may just be that I want Ben to be asked those tough questions, and so it didn't come up. But the way earlier we talked about Carson Wentz in that brief cut earlier this week said, you know what, I've grown up some and I should have done some things differently, and I was wrong. Ben Simmons talked about his relationship with Philadelphia. Well, here it is. People in Philly just want to have something to say about <laughs> anything, man. Like everything, like literally everything. You know, I post a picture of a car or a dog. I got reporters saying you should be in the gym. Like, come on, man. But yeah, for sure. Philly is obviously a, a, a sports city. Um, and my experience playing there was incredible. Like for the most part, it was incredible. I had a great time. Like right, the fans are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I still have an apartment there. So I do own some real estate in Philadelphia still. <laughs> So, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm part of Philly still. Oh, shut up. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> Glenn is not having it. No, he's part of Philadelphia still. He never was part of Philadelphia. Um, he, and, and I, and I, oh, God, I listened to this whole damn interview, right? You're better than I am. Yeah, man. I did. I did not. At no point during this podcast does he ever say, yeah, I probably should have done this differently. Well, the only thing he says he should have done differently is he probably should have dunked the ball. But if you look at the play, Trey Young was right on me. Who knew at the time? It's the okay. But at no point does he ever say, I probably should have grown up or I probably should have handled that differently or maybe, you know, I should have um, been more mature about something. The what he his bottom line in the end is he says, Well, it all worked out because now I'm in New Jersey. Now, not New Jersey, excuse me. Now I'm with the Nets. Yeah. And this is going to be great. Yeah. And so it all, it's like, that's his answer. Yeah. Look, what I said about Carson Wentz earlier in the show applies to Ben Simmons. Once Simmons signed that contract with the Sixers, he understood, he and his agents understood how the the dynamic of power had shifted. Simmons had the power now. And if he didn't like what the Sixers were doing, he could go somewhere else. And he was willing to be perceived rightly as a jerk for wanting to get out of here. I actually spoke with somebody who used to work for the Sixers. This past week, and I was talking with this person about Simmons, and I just said, you know, there is a part of me that wonders, like, how someone, how an athlete could be this tone deaf and this selfish and et cetera, et cetera. And this former employee said to me, Mike, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Maya Angelou. 
Yeah, right. The old Maya Angelou. Excuse me, one. it's the Maya Angelou. Exactly. One, right. And I think that's what this comes down to for Simmons is that he is the consummate example of an athlete who wants everyone to kind of bend to his feelings, yep. his whims. Uh, you know, we we talk about certain athletes in these terms and sometimes it doesn't apply, but man, it, it applies all over with Ben Simmons. It sure does. Jeff in Wilmington, what's on your mind, Jeff? Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. Hi, Jeff. Okay, uh, you mentioned Bryce uh, being cold, and it's a comforting fact to know that he made you be hot. Made me think of my own little comforting fact. Uh, if you think back to 2007 for the Phillies, uh, you know, Colorado first round, that didn't go so good. It's been about 13, 14 years since the 93 team. So that was the first step till 2008. Uh, here we are sitting today, 13, 14 years later since the World Series champ. And looking that we'll make that next step with a playoff contention this year, which, you know, as you know, a lot of teams need that one step to move further the following year. So I think regardless of what happens in the playoffs, as long as we're there, that's going to solidify some resolve. The guys are going to have a, a good off offseason, uh, maybe a new full season with Mr. Thompson as our coach. And that, to me, is pretty inspiring. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because Charlie Manuel is going to be joining us in less than 10 minutes. And one of the things that I planned to ask Charlie about was, what did they gain out of making the playoffs in 2007, even as they got blown out, that helped them in the future, which is really the point you're making. Exactly. So I, if you stick around, I will ask Charlie that question in the very next segment. It is one of the things I was thinking about. You know what I think about when I think about 2007 and the Phillies getting in the playoffs? I got married that weekend. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and uh, our wedding was the Friday night of that weekend series. Cole Hamels struck out like 13 or 14 Washington Nationals, and people kept getting up from the reception to go into the nearby bar area to watch the game. <laughs> and then we were on a plane to our honeymoon on Sunday. I did not see uh, the clinching final game of the season when the Mets lost to the Marlins, and then Brett Meyer strikes out whoever he struck out for the, yeah. the final out and all of that. I missed all of that because I was getting married. It's, it's funny because you got to be careful when you schedule weddings. We got a wedding invitation a couple months ago, and I looked at it. It's like Sunday, October, and like, son, who schedules a wedding for <laughs> Sunday in October? What are you kidding me? And I went and looked. It's like, oh, it's bye week. Smart. Yeah. And, I t and I'm friends with the dad, the mom and dad. Actually, uh, they are the uh, brother and sister-in-law of somebody who is on hold right now, Mitchie Tools. It's his, nice. his niece's wedding. Um, right? Am I right? Yes. And, um, I said, well, that was pretty good planning. That it was bye week. And he said, no, they actually didn't plan that. They just got lucky. We, we planned. They, planned, they said they planned it a year ago. Our wedding was on a Friday night for two reasons. One, it was a little more cost effective. And two, the Eagles, we knew the Eagles would be playing on Sunday. We knew there would be a lot of my colleagues and friends who were sports writers and mm -hmm. media members who'd be covering that game. Right. So let's get married on the Friday night right. so that if the Eagles are on the road, Everybody's people will got still be able to, to attend the wedding. Little did you know the Phillies would make the playoffs, as he said, for the first time in 14 years. Who knew? Right. I want to get this in before the break because John wants to come at us, and uh, we'll give him a minute to do so. What's the matter, John? Yeah, uh, Just a minute? Come on, guys. John, I, I got to hit a break. <laughs> I, I love you guys. Well, right? well, hold on. Here's am the alternative. I, the alternative, hold on. The alternative is you would like to wait. We can get you on after Charlie, man. You want to wait 20 minutes? No, I don't want to wait till then. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. But look, and before I forget, um, Mike, uh, maybe you can address this after Charlie Manuel. I'm the guy who wrote to you a couple times 
Uh, so you wrote that article about not having a punt returner at all? Yes. I don't know whether that was tongue-in-cheek, okay, and you were just uh, baiting people to write back. But, I mean, that was the most ridiculous thing I ever read. Don't put anybody back to return. Punt. I already told him that. You now have 30 seconds. What's okay, on your mind? Right, so i got 30 seconds. So here's what I want to – here's what I really want to address – why, why do Philly media and people continue to talk about people? What do you want to talk about next? That, that uh, uh, McNabb's throwing up in the huddle? Or you want to talk about McNabb's not playing him this weekend. They're playing yeah, Carson yeah. Wentz I, for the most, first most, time. Hold on. They are playing Carson Wentz for the first time since he left. He is an extremely important person in this town in the last 10 years. Ignoring that is just weeks. foolish. You can't wait for this game. Everybody's circling it. Forget about it. Who cares? I Move care. on. You know what, John? Most people care. But thanks for your call. 215-592-9494. Coming up, Charlie Manuel, the skipper, with Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. This time, he's back again. He's looking. He is going deep for Quez Watkins, who hasn't chosen for the touchdown. The strike to Quez Watkins. He hit him in stride for 53 yards. Second down and eight. Wentz in the end zone, taken down, lost the football, rolls out of the back of the end zone. It's a safety. Well, there you go. Says it all. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack now with my pal, Mike Sealski. Mike, I carefully chose those highlights. Yeah, it's good we didn't stack the deck or anything okay. like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, everybody knows the big story. Tomorrow, Eagles against the Washington commies down in dc i only wish this game was here that's the only regret i have uh the the story all week and what we'll talk about a lot today is wentz versus hertz yes they will never be on the field at the same time of course but that's what the networks will be highlighting it's what the fans will be looking at it's where we open um let's start with hertz Mike, because last Monday, 333 yards, spread the ball around, did a really nice job. His running remains incredible, not just as a scrambling quarterback, but as a as a runner. As he and Josh Allen are the only two guys I think who can run with that kind of power. Um, how do we feel about Hurts now? Is your opinion? I know two games are two games, and you know the things can change week to week. But give me your snapshot view, Mike Sealski of what you're seeing with Jalen Hurts right now. I'm seeing what I think everybody else is seeing, uh, that Hurts has taken steps forward, both as a passer and as the orchestrator of the offense. What we saw against Minnesota was what we knew to be true already, at least on those two touchdown runs, was, as you said, his strength, his ability to fight through tackles. He seems to be very smart when he runs with the ball. Mm -hmm. He slides, he gets down. He generally, through two games, has avoided a big hit, at least not set himself up for one. He got hit a few times against the Lions late, but that wasn't his fault. And you saw what the Vikings did and what his running ability forces teams and opponents to do, which is, okay, we're not going to let him beat us with his legs. We're going to try to limit that as much as we can. So we're going to play zone and we're going to make him beat us throwing the ball which he then did. Um, you know, he was on point with his passes. The Eagles, I thought their wide receivers were excellent in terms of the way they ran routes against that defense, settling into soft spots, giving Hurts easy targets to hit. Uh, he's been very impressive through two games. Yeah, and only five incompletions all night. And, and part of that, 
as much as I can read it, and 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 I get this from listening and reading to people smarter than I. Um, the Vikings tried to stop him from running, tried to play his zone in order to curtail that. And what that meant is the Eagles receivers were wide open all night. So, you know, killed if you do, killed if you don't. Yeah, if he's going to continue to throw the ball as he has through these first two games, and again, he's not going to continue to throw the ball that way. He's been that good. Um, There's going to be a slight regression. That's the nature of an NFL season. But this is now something else that a defense has to guard against. It's not just, okay, if Hurts isn't beating you with his legs, you're in great shape because he's not reading defenses and he's throwing the ball late and all the complaints that people had. Right. Last season, so far those complaints, again, so far, don't have a whole lot of merit. Let's see as film is gathered and defenses start to adjust. Right, and you're going to play. Listen, the Vikings are a good team. You're going to play some tough teams. Um, but, boy, he did look good. Um, just a couple little uh, stat notes. That uh, touchdown run, the 26-yard touchdown run, where, man, he showed some power on that. It's the Eagles' longest touchdown run since Donovan McNabb had a 40-yarder in 2002. I remember that game. That was, a, I think, against the Giants, uh, where he just kind of... It was very similar to Hertz's run in that kind of went around the end, carried it like a running back, took off a field. And I think the most impressive thing about the 26-yarder that Hertz had on Monday night was, you know, watching and listening to both Joe Buck and Merrill Reese, both play-by-play voices were surprised that Hertz kept going. That he got in, yeah. They, that, yeah. oh, wow, he's still going yeah. and he's in the end zone. And, yeah. Um, that that was kind of cool to, to hear. Through two games, 28 rushing attempts, 147 yards, three touchdowns, avoiding turnovers. And uh, I'll give you a – this is uh, Dave Zangaro of uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Well, he pulled it off at Pro Football Focus, but so I'll give credit to both. He has 105 rushing yards after contact, which ranks 12th among not, just, not quarterbacks, all players in the NFL first among quarterbacks. He's tough. Don't want him to do this too much, but boy, he's just doing it well. He's throwing well. He's leading well. It's yeah, we're whatever. Yeah, twelve percent through a season, but boy, it is. It's good so far. The, the interesting thing to me about that stat, Glenn, is what it says about. And again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the Eagles' future with Hurts and how they view it. Right, like we spent all off season talking about how they had positioned themselves. So that if Hertz did not meet expectations, they could go out and yeah. draft another quarterback. Right. Okay. So if but through two games, they are playing as if Jalen Hurts is still the nexus of their offense. So I wonder, maybe I'm wrong about this, and again, it's very early. I wonder if they are just looking at this and saying, We are going to maximize everything out of Jalen Hurts that we possibly can because we are positioned to replace him if we need to. What are you saying? I'm saying that if they are running Jalen Hurts a lot. I mean, if he gets hurt, we can live with it because we have... They, they don't want him to get hurt. I'm not suggesting they no, want him to get I, I, hurt. Okay, go but ahead. But what I'm saying is, if he were to get hurt, we are positioned well enough to deal with that. Therefore, let us maximize him as much as we can. Let it, you know, We're huh. not going to keep him from running. We're not going to force him to stay in the pocket. Let Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts. And if he stays healthy and continues playing this way, incredible. Great. We will take it, of course. But we're going to maximize it as much, you know, take everything out of it that we possibly can. And if something bad happens, 
we are positioned well, to deal with it. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, it's almost like you're saying the way teams look at running backs, which is, hey, we'll probably get five, six years out of this guy at most. Let's run him 300 times a year because that's what we got, and if we have to move on, we do. Is that what you're saying? I wonder if there's a little bit of that going Interesting. on. Interesting. Okay. I wonder. I don't know. Is part of this that they look at it as, hey, we have the opportunity to be really good. That's so the other part. Not hold, don't put on the brakes. Right, exactly. If this, if this is the best team that we are going to be this season by having huh. Jalen Hurts play this way, then we're going to play this way. So you're asking me, will I take two years of Jalen Hurts in a Super Bowl appearance over six years of Jalen Hurts? And, and who knows? Yeah, the answer is, of course, I will. Darn right. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen, I wish you all the best. All right. In other news, now on to Carson Wentz. Against Detroit last week, 337 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, six sacks. I think five sacks were in the first half. Mm -hmm. That strip sack safety that we played. Um, Well, you have a piece uh, in the paper today about how uh, Jonathan Gannon may scheme against Carson Wentz, which is basically, you know, this guy holds the ball forever, right? Yeah. Look, the weak link or a weak link on Washington's team is their offensive line. It's not very good. Uh, And we've seen in Philadelphia what happens when Wentz plays behind an offensive line that isn't very good. That's what happened in 2020. It was the anomaly year for the Eagles. They were weak up front and Wentz held the ball and committed turnovers Mm. and did all the wrong things. So, oh, God, if, I would scream. Yeah. I, I mean, we all like, get rid of the freaking ball. Yeah, yes. and I think this game sets up very well for the Eagles from that perspective because what Jonathan Gannon wants to do, I think, is rush for and generate pressure from that. Well, the Eagles should be able to do that against this offensive line, mm. which in turn allows them to put seven men back to confuse or you know, complicate things for Wentz and keep receivers in front of him and force him to hold the ball, which is what you want him to do. I'll give you an over-under of 5.1 combined sacks and interceptions and or Wentz fumbles. Ooh. 5.1, I'll take the under, but only Ooh, only, really? be, only because four combined fumbles and interceptions would be... No, I'm giving you sacks, too. Oh, and sacks. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, okay. So so sacks and turnovers. Sacks and Wentz turnovers. Oh, okay. Not the running back turns it over. Sacks and Wentz turnovers. Oh, well, then, that, then in that case, no, I'll, I'll take the over. Six. Ooh, that's yeah. a win. Six. Eagles win that game. Absolutely. I All think right. Eagles will win this game. I like it. I like it. So the other issue, of course, this is the first time Wentz is playing the Eagles, and there's a whole lot of bang. I've heard some people this week... Some hosts and callers like, come on, move on. It's We're mature. That's in the past. Why would we worry about that? No, you're a fan. This is a guy who was one of the most important characters in this franchise in the last decade, the last however long you want to go. Um, he was almost the MVP the year you won the Super Bowl. You don't win the Super Bowl without him. But then comes all of the other stuff. I can't just like, oh, yes, well, hey, I wish him well. I don't care. I care. I care a lot. <laughs> of course I care. You have to care. Um, I want to play something. This is Wentz was asked this week in Washington, kind of looking back at his time in Philadelphia. I give the reporters down there some credit for kind of approaching it. I wish they had dived a little deeper into it, but this is him talking about, eh, maybe he's matured. Perspective changes when, A, you grow up, A, you know, you have you get married, you have, have a kid. You know, I think your perspective on life changes, on <clears throat> on your job, on work, on everything, and, and just um, 
you know, I think there are there's always things I look back on that, man, I could have been better here. I could have been better as a person, as a teammate, you know, lots of things um, that, that you do take for granted. And so I think uh, I definitely thank God for the experiences I've had, even though sometimes they're, they're dark or sometimes they're, you know, not how I envision them to be. But I think it's allowed me to grow uh, as a person. And, and I'm thankful for that. All right. So sift through the beginning and the end. But if you go into the middle, he says, yeah, I probably should have done some things different. It's as far, it's as much of a confession as you're going to get from an athlete. Like, I was a baby. I screwed yeah. up. And we're going to actually play another former Philadelphia athlete later in the show who doesn't approach that. No. Your take on what he said. Look, he he messed up in certain respects. He just did. Um, there were conflicts with teammates. Uh, there was a sense of entitlement that settled in. My, my colleague at the Inquirer, Jeff McLean, has a terrific piece out this morning in which he relays an anecdote from Wentz's rookie season in which Wentz was driving to Lincoln Financial Field for, I think, a preseason game and missed an exit for Lincoln Financial Man, Field. I got news. So have I. Yeah, and <laughs> gets there a little bit late, and it's kind of dicey as to whether he's going to make it for warm-ups, after which point Jeffrey Lurie says, Carson will now have a police escort to and from the stadium. It was the first time Lurie had ever done that for a player on the Eagles, and it's kind of the starting point for the creation of kind of a monster. Oh, that's uh, interesting. You know, in terms of entitlement and thinking you're the center of the world and all that kind of stuff. And so my feeling on the Wentz situation is it's a it's a good lesson for franchises in Philadelphia in terms of understanding really what kind of athlete can thrive here. I think the Eagles looked at Wentz and saw North Dakota. They saw Hunt's own food. They saw Guy Wears Levi's. And they thought, that's a tough kid he will be able to handle Philadelphia. And as it turned out, within two years of signing a major contract extension, he didn't want to be here anymore. He couldn't handle it. And yeah. I think that's instructive for teams. you got to look below the surface here to find out exactly if a guy can handle playing Okay, here. and I don't know if I uh, attach geography to it, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, to me, it's that, and, and yes, the way you lay out his personality and traits, I thoroughly agree. I don't know if I ever liked a player more and felt more betrayed by him. And I felt that when that he could not handle adversity, um, and he quit on the team. And he just quit on the town. And we, and we never got an explanation. He just kind of totally bailed on the whole thing when everybody had invested so much in him, from the Eagles to the fan base to his teammates. And he's just like, nah, I don't like the way you drafted this guy. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm quitting. And I and, and God, that bothered me. I don't feel betrayed as much as I feel puzzled as to why he couldn't make the changes in his game that would have led him to greater success. Well, that's a two-part question. So there's the game. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Agree. And there's the, the guy. Yeah. It's I, the quitting. I, I will take physical failures uh, ahead of his mental, I don't know, failures, but his, again, is just bailing out. Yeah. You yeah. quit. You bailed. He's a he's one of many thoroughly modern professional athletes. We've seen this time and time again. Again, we're going to talk about one later in the show uh, who say, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore, and I have the power to go somewhere else. Uh, yes, you're you are correct. And and my um, exposures with him, my, my contacts with him were fairly limited. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, I think I interviewed him twice, and once was with somebody else. And it's you know you get that you don't get much. The one thing I'll always remember about Wentz, and when I told you the story before, and I thought he was a good guy, and I thought this is the mark of the man, which is 
I used to do a um, a webcast down at the Eagles twice a week. And so I went down there, and uh, Dave Spadaro was there interviewing Wentz for uh, the thing. And it finished, and I just remember when it was over, Wentz, young player, might have been the Super Bowl year, walked around the room and personally walked up to every cameraman, every producer, everybody in the room and said, thank you, I appreciate your mm-hmm. time, thank you, thank you. And you know most athletes, if they do something like that, as soon as it's over, their eyes are at the door and they're gone, and they don't talk to anybody because right. they don't have to, right? And they're, mm-hmm. maybe they're just in the zone. It impressed me that this kid took the time to realize that these people there who are not making a lot of money and were excited to be in the room with him, and he gave them each eye contact and a story. I thought, oh, this is a good guy. And I was so wrong. <laughs> and that's what bothers me is I was so wrong in reading the man. Yeah. Here, here's the spin. I don't know if spin is the right word. Here's the perspective I would put on that, though, Glenn. When we think, I think there's, a, there's a, an expectation from the public about professional athletes that has existed for a long time that when an athlete signs a long-term contract with a particular franchise that that is a show of loyalty to that franchise and that city and what's changing in that dynamic i think is athletes now say to themselves i'm the one with the power now i have the contract i have the contract so they got to kowtow to me a little bit and if they don't do what i want in the way i want it done I actually can force their hand, and yeah. I think that's what happened with Wentz. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, real quick, I just want to work in the Philly. Second straight night, they beat Atlanta coming off that five-game losing streak. Great job by Nola last night. Nola's been good in seven of his last ten starts. Maybe we get good Nola in September through September. You know, I, I know it would do a lot for your nerves. And- it would. Your gastrointestinal yes. situation, yeah. all of that. My gastrointestinal's fine, thank you, but <laughs> not, you know. Uh, they are now 83-67 and 67 with 12 to, uh, left to go. They're a half game against the Padres, I think, now, uh, who lost last night. So the Phillies jumped ahead. They're two and a half on the Brewers, who won last night. Coming down to the final weekend is what's going to happen. Um, and they play the they're – in, they're in the road after tomorrow for ten, the final 10, which I don't like, but no. whatever. Today, Bailey Falter, 5-3 and three against Kyle Wright, 19-5. and five. So, okay. Here's, here's my reason for optimism right. if you're a Phillies fan, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Bryce Harper is not hitting right now. Yeah. Which means he's going to hit eventually. Yeah. So, okay. keep it's that good. in mind. Okay, last thing, I'll sneak in a caller here, too. This week, uh, we give away, as always, a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or shybsports.com. We have a great Shy Sports throwback moment coming later in the show, but uh, the best caller of the day, as judged by Moshe Kravitz, gets the $50 gift card. Let's sneak in Ryan here. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? All right. Great, Ryan. Good. I'm actually in Delco right now, going to visit uh, my buddies at Temple. Where would you rather be than, than but, Delco? Uh, anyway, the greatest. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the defensive line and stopping the run because I'm not really concerned about the offense that much. It, like the whole Dalvin Cook thing with Minnesota, that was great, but that was a total miscue on Minnesota's play call. And then you look at DeAndre Swift, who's definitely one of the best running backs in the league. Mm-hmm. And they really couldn't stop him. They gave, they gave some really big plays up to him, and that makes me worried later in the season. How are they going to stop the running backs? Well, I don't think they're going to have to worry about it too much this week because Washington kind of struggles to run the ball. Um, and oh, yeah, they, they're garbage. They're yeah, dog water. Um, <laughs> and, and to be honest, Ryan, you know, while teams may look at that Lions game and say, okay, we can gash the Eagles with the run, teams in the NFL, very few of them are inclined to do that, I think, where they say, okay, well, we'll just we'll run the ball down a team's throat 
because they can't handle it. Um, teams in the NFL want to throw the ball nowadays. Mo- you know, nine out of ten of them do. So, um, is it is it great that the Eagles struggled against the Lions that way? Of course not. But um, I think we got to see yet. And I think, uh, as I said, Washington is going to struggle. What their leading rusher Antonio Gibson's averaging three point one a carry. It's mm-hmm. it's not much of a, a danger to the Eagles. I think. Oh no, but I'm I'm more concerned about like come playoff time when we're facing like teams just all around the league that are going to have that strong uh, cold, running back. Cold presence weather, because, January, because NFC East football. I yeah. hear you. I think you. I I kind of agree with Mike. You're worried more at this point than you need to worry about that. My biggest concern is the pass rush right now. Yeah. Just, they got to generate a pass rush. Two on five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four. We will definitely get some calls in the next segment. Whether you want to talk about the Eagles, the Phillies, I see uh, Jerry's got some Phillies thoughts, uh, or whatever is on your mind. We are going to run the gamut today. Big highlight. Eleven o'clock. Mike Sealski. What's happening? Charlie Manuel love is going to be joining us. Oh, I love him. He's like he's my favorite person to talk I, to. I have a great anecdote about Charlie. That I don't know if I'll share it while we're talking to him or just afterward. All but right. I love it. There you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on ninety four WIP. Joseph awaits the whistle. He approaches the football. He kicks it. It is high and it is short. Coming up quickly is Watkins. It bounces in front of him. He picks it up at the ten and gets to about the fifteen, maybe the seventeen. That's it. That was a short kickoff, I feel, on purpose, and there was nothing he could do about it. The Eagles are deep in their own territory. Yeah, very strange. Because- yeah, there was something he could do about it, Merrill. He could have <laughs> run with the damn thing. Uh, why do we play that? I mean, the Quez Watkins touchdown was certainly much more exciting than a Quez Watkins four-yard kickoff return to My- the 18. Glenn, it depends on your definition yeah, of exciting. I know. So that was played because... Mike and I have our stupid football bet this year, which is essentially based on field position <laughs> and putting kickoff returns, thus stupid. Do uh, you remember, can you lay out the parameters quickly? Sure. I believe it was um, any time the Eagles did something uh, poor on a punt return or a kickoff return, don't return it. I think it's kickoffs past the 20-yard line. Correct. Um, punts. Huh. Beyond the forty-yard line, if they muff a punt, something. no. If any, any, no, not beyond the forty punts that are muffed, muffed, you and get a fumbled. point for yeah. yes, and fumbled, yes, yes. And when it's good, you get a point. Yeah, essentially, which has happened once, and yes. you got four points after week two. Man, I got to start saving up for dinner already, Glenn. I am not one to gloat or <laughs> count my chickens before they're hatched. Yeah, but. Um, I like to take it one game at a time, one play oh, at a time, and shush. the good Lord willing, oh, things God. will work out. Yeah, well, they're working out for you so far. Um, I mean, I, again, I don't want to talk about this long, but if the guy pops a ball up to the 14, just run forward with it. <laughs> what is Quez dancing? And he did it twice, by the way. You got two points on that this week. Well, look, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that each time I walk into the Eagles locker room during the media availability sessions, I am greasing Quez Watkins so that I can win this bet. They've been so bad on returns for so long. Yeah, it ain't good. No, and it it's, it's going to cost me dinner for four, you, me, and two producers at a site which is yet unknown because I haven't figured out who, who I can... Yeah, and what's interesting about it is that it's not as if Nick Sirianni and his staff aren't aware of the issues. In fact, Sirianni talked about it on Friday morning. I do pay attention to that. And so that's a, that's a combination of, yes, just the return yards, you know, the, um, you know, turnovers, all, all different sorts of things. And so, um, 
you know, because that is important. You know, where you're where you're getting the football, and and I don't spend too much time on that because I I I know that changes throughout the week, um, or part of me throughout the year. Um, but yeah, no doubt. Do we want our you know to be able to create explosive plays with our return game? Um, and and I'm confident in what we're doing as, right, okay. as far All as right. how right. we're so doing blah, it. Blah blah blah. Just do it, Nick. Just do it. Hey. I'm confident in our return game. Get me something, Glenn. Take heart. Yeah, they have heard your pleas <laughs> and they are working on it. Yeah, that's good. I get points for punt returns over 20 yards. Good luck or kickoffs that where you get field position past the 40 right the only one i got was when the vikings tried an onside hey man i need help with this return game all right <laughs> sounds enough. like sirianni's on your side though glenn i'm sure he would like me to win would like to see him make some changes that facilitate that glenn is going to come out for the firing of michael clay eagle special teams coordinator well, he's not helping me that's for sure <laughs> jerry in newcastle jerry you're feeling good about the phillies eh oh yeah guys how you guys doing this morning great jerry I'm a I'm a truck driver. I talked to you last week. Glenn, you, you badged me because I, I nicknamed myself Nails, but it's Nails 20. Oh, uh, Nails, yeah. Remember? Remember, the, remember Je- Nails? Jerry, uh, the rule right. still applies. You cannot give yourself your own nickname. That is yeah, against I, the rules. Mike, I didn't. It was given to me when I played softball. Well, we need evidence. That, All right, Jerry, okay. I don't want to talk about uh, your nickname. Let's talk about the Phillies. Okay, here we go. Um... We're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt, okay? Um, I want to know from you guys, who do you think the three starting pitchers are going to be? Okay, good it, question. Besides, besides, but I got two other points when, I'm, when you guys uh, That's fine. The All right, I think this is a pretty easy question. I think it's Nola, I think it's Wheeler, and I think it's Ranger. Yeah. That's that's my thought too. I believe that I believe the same thing. Now the order the order you can debate. My Sunday partner Jody Mack wants to hold back Nola or Wheeler for Game Three. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's kind of tough. Yeah, uh, I, that, I, I'm not with Jody on that, but I you know I got I'll let him explain his position next time I see him. The, the other uh, thing, I, yeah, I, go ahead, Jerry. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Keep going, Mike. No, I was just going to say, once the playoffs roll around, too, the other thing you have to keep in mind is that you're going to have to have and probably end up using starters in relief. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a guy like a Bailey Falter, for instance, may have to come into a game in the third inning or uh, Noah Syndergaard to pitch two or three innings because it's do or die every game. Yep. All right, what else you got? Okay. To your Hey, you haven't got to the segment yet, but what? But your what are you watching segment? Yeah. I watched a documentary on Netflix last night about Nolan Ryan. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. You, you guys, you guys got to watch. You may it. be it's jumping happy. Mike Sealski, and thanks for the call, man. We'll talk to you next but, week because. I think you said that's uh, that's that's in your queue to be watching for next week. I, I actually watched it last night. I, we, I wasn't going to talk about it today because we already have something for what we're watching that mm-hmm. we're going to kick around. But I did watch that documentary as well, and I will save my review of it okay. for next week. All right, I, I'll try to catch it this week. Uh, David in North Philly. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, what's going on? How's your sister doing? Oh, she's good. She's good. Give her um, my best. <laughs> She's working. She Good. actually, um, she actually asked about you because my mom did a peach bourbon baked bean. She made the sauce and everything. Ooh, wow! And around this time of year, it's supposed to be good. But I'm not, I'm not a bean person. But I put the sauce on steak, and it comes out amazing. Oh, you're living large, man. Dave, can you can you ha- have your family ship a quart of that, please, to 24th and Market Streets? 
I don't have to have the shift there. Usually, I was ex- I made deliveries to Twenty Fourth and Market uh, three times in the last three weeks. Well, if, if, it, ha- if it happens to be on a weekend, we'd love it. Um, let's talk Eagles. What are you thinking? All right. Well, the the you, you mentioned the, um, the pass rush. They had two sacks. I think one of them was negated by the face mask penalty, and. The part of the pass rush that didn't actually get home for sacks mm-hmm. is was causing some of these turnovers. Mm-hmm. So I'm ex- I mean, I, I mean, obviously you want to see the sacks. It was but- better. It was better. I'm not fully confident yet that this is a team that can consistently generate a good pass rush. No, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, I want to see more tomorrow. Sacks. They will. I'm not. I'm not a fan overall. I'm not a fan of you know the the hurries and stuff. I, I mean, again, I'm 42. I grew up with Reggie and Clyde. Yeah. Even if you go forward to William Fuller, these guys got 12, 13, 14 sacks. Yeah. I like to see that just because. But the turnovers. I mean, last year and even a couple of years, they weren't getting the turnovers. Now, All right. I got a um, trivia question for you, and I'm 90 sure. percent sure I'm right. I probably shouldn't ask you if I'm not 100. Who was the last Eagles player to have double digit sacks? Uh, probably Connor Barwin. Oh, you're so good, Dave. Wow, good yeah. job, Dave. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're you know we're a defensive city. We love the we love the Always deal. Have. We love the big plays, but the, something about taking the um, taking that edge to the other team, especially. I mean, Darius Slade did it with the pick six last year. You make that pick six, even well, even last game. I mean, they were yeah. in the red yeah. So I'll ask you. I'll ask you. I, I'm going to give you the number I gave Mike. Okay. And I, 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 five and a half is the number. Yeah. Over under tomorrow, Dave. Combined Eagles sacks plus Wentz turnovers. Under. Under. Wow. Ooh, I don't like under. I don't like under either. I think I think it is an over. And it's you know Dave raised an interesting point about the way the Eagles play defense against Minnesota. They blitzed much much more than Jonathan Gannon usually does. Something like twenty four percent of the yeah, time. Yeah, they did. They're not going to have to do that in theory against Wentz. As we said earlier, because they should be able to generate pressure with just four men. Yes. Yeah, I love the way it's like. Yeah, Wentz. You know, he's just gonna. He's just gonna stand, stand back, back there and look around and then drop the ball. <laughs> he's or, or shift it from his right hand to his left and try to throw it out of the end zone. Oh, and, that was the all timer. Oh man. man, that was yeah. Very complex. I I, I I got other questions about Wentz. I want to ask you as you go on. Uh, we'll take some calls. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. And Wentz wasn't the only former. Philadelphia athlete who broke your heart, who had something to say this week. We'll come back and play you something that I just find entirely mind-boggling. Don't forget Charlie Manuel at 11 o'clock, 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Charlie Manuel at the top of the hour. Eagles football tomorrow. I'll be doing pregame starting at 10 a.m. with Ross Tucker, Joe Giglio, Merrill Reese, cast of thousands. Uh, looking forward to that one as the Eagles go down to Washington, take on the commies, Carson Wentz. Let's get Clay in Kansas City. What's going on, Clay? Eagles Chief Super Bowl, are you seeing it? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, I called the show last week. Yeah. Um, told you that uh, I wasn't worried. And I'll tell you, I think Gannon juiced up the pressure a little bit. Um, if you remember back when we had Trotter, we were very successful with that A-gap blitz. Loved it. You know what I mean? Oh, I loved and, it. He would just bust up rushing plays before they even began. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so to me, I think Gannon has seen the light a little bit. I think he's got the speed and the talent to bring that pressure up the middle. Um, I'm telling you, Carson, um, 
he, he's going to give – I mean, I like the over bet. I'll put it to you that way because he's going to struggle this week. That, that offensive line, not too great. Um, Carson is going to make some mistakes. Um, I, would lay the, I would lay the six and a half at this point. Did you see how that game opened on the line and how it shifted so Yeah, quickly? it was yeah. four, right? It mm-hmm. went to six and a half? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it did. Actually, I, I heard it opened at two. I think um, it opened at four. But whatever, it moved. For a line to move two and a half points is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, Glenn. I, I, and listen, I'll listen off the air, but the, one more thing. You know, I'm, I'm a Midwest guy. You know, some guys just aren't cut out for Philly. you gotta have a, you got to have an edge, you know. And Carson didn't have the edge, you know. Nick Foles, even though he was kind of a religious guy, for some reason he kind of still had that edge to him, you know. And Jalen has that edge. So I, I do think that's the big reason. I don't okay. wish any you will on Mike, Carson Wentz. All right, th- and, and thanks. I appreciate it. You kind of came in with the Carson Wentz wasn't fit for this town, right? So, yeah, th- I think like that's Foles how it shook out. was, Carson was. I don't, like, what am I seeing from one that I'm not seeing from the other? I, Only that one of them won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say that Nick Foles has an edge any more than I would say that about any professional athlete. They all have an edge to a certain degree or else they wouldn't be professional athletes. I think Nick just thrived in Philadelphia in large part because he had a sensibility that allowed him to handle the pressure here. You know, very religious guy, very grounded, um, was playing for coaches in Philadelphia who at the time gave him an advantage. Chip Kelly was the brand new thing in 2013 when Nick Foles throws 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich revamped the offense for the playoffs in 2018. Yeah, that was Be- really, that was, they do deserve so much credit they, for that. They really do. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you go into a Super Bowl against Bill Belichick where you actually have the strategic advantage because he doesn't have any game film really to study. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I think that's part of it. I don't think necessarily the Foles Wentz comparison has as much to do with edge as it does. I agree. Other but you said all athletes have edge. You know who may not have edge? Ben How- Simmons. Uh- <laughs> Okay. Thank you for the transition. Not only does Ben Simmons not have a jump shot, he does not have edge. He does not. So Ben Simmons sat down this week with J.J. Reddick for Reddick's podcast, and I, and I opined on social media that it was like this most softball interview since, what's his name, Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Right? Ben's good enough. He's smart enough. And doggone it, people do not like him. No, they do not like him. And and I got some people said, like, well, what are you expecting from J.J. Redick? He's a colleague. He's not going to do it. And that may be true. It may just be that I want Ben to be asked those tough questions, and so it didn't come up. But the way earlier we talked about Carson Wentz in that brief cut earlier this week said, you know what, I've grown up some and I should have done some things differently, and I was wrong. Ben Simmons talked about his relationship with Philadelphia. Well, here it is. People in Philly just want to have something to say about <laughs> anything, man. Like everything, like literally everything. You know, I post a picture of a car or a dog. I got reporters saying you should be in the gym. Like, come on, man. But yeah, for sure. Philly is obviously a, a, a sports city. Um, and my experience playing there was incredible. Like for the most part, it was incredible. I had a great time. Like right, fans are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I still have an apartment there. So I do own some real estate in Philadelphia still. <laughs> So, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm part of Philly still. Oh, shut up. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> Glenn is not having it. No, he's part of Philadelphia still. He never was part of Philadelphia. Um, he, and, and I, and I, oh, God, I listened to this whole damn interview, right? You're better than I am. Yeah, and I did. I did not. At no point during this podcast does he ever say, 
Yeah, I probably should have done this differently. Well, the only thing he says he should have done differently is he probably should have dunked the ball. But if you look at the play, the, the, Trey Young was right on me. Uh, who knew at the time? It's the okay. But at no point does he ever say, I probably should have grown up or I probably should have handled that differently or maybe, you know, I should have um, been more mature about something. The what he His bottom line in the end is he says, well, it all worked out because now I'm in New Jersey. No, not New Jersey. Excuse me. Now I'm with the Nets. Yeah. And this is going to be great. Yeah. And so it all, it's like, that's his answer. Yeah. Look, what I said about Carson Wentz earlier in the show applies to Ben Simmons. Once Simmons signed that contract with the Sixers, he understood, he and his agents understood how the, the dynamic of power had shifted. Simmons had the power now. And if he didn't like what the Sixers were doing, he could go somewhere else. And he was willing to be perceived rightly as a jerk for wanting to get out of here. I sp- actually spoke with somebody who used to work for the Sixers. This past week, and I was talking with this person about Simmons, and I just said, you know, there is a part of me that wonders, like, how someone, how an athlete could be this tone deaf and this selfish and et cetera, et cetera. And this former employee said to me, Mike, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's the Maya Angelou. Yeah, right. The old Maya Angelou. Excuse me. It's the Maya Angelou. Exactly. And I think that's what this comes down to for Simmons is that. He is the consummate example of an athlete who wants everyone to kind of bend to his feelings, yep. his whims. Uh, you know, we we talk about certain athletes in these terms, and sometimes it doesn't apply. But, man, it, it applies all over with Ben Simmons. It sure does. Jeff in Wilmington, what's on your mind, Jeff? Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. Hi, Jeff. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Bryce uh, being cold, and it's a comforting fact to know that he may be hot. Made me think of my own little comforting fact. Uh, if you think back to 2007 for the Phillies, uh, you know, Colorado first round, that didn't go so good. It's been about 13, 14 years since the 93 team. So that was the first step till 2008. Uh, here we are sitting today, 13, 14 years later since the World Series champ, and looking that we'll make that next step with a playoff contention this year. Which, you know, as you know, a lot of teams need that one step to move further the following year. So I think, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, as long as we're there, that's going to solidify some resolve. The guys are going to have a, a good off offseason, uh, maybe a new full season with Mr. Thompson as our coach. And that, to me, is pretty inspiring. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because Charlie Manuel is going to be joining us in less than 10 minutes. And one of the things that I planned to ask Charlie about was what did they gain out of making the playoffs in 2007, even as they got blown out, that helped them in the future, which is really the point you're making. Exactly. So if you stick around, I will ask Charlie that question in the very next segment. It is one of the things I was thinking about. You know what I think about when I think about 2007 and the Phillies getting in the playoffs? I got married that weekend. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and uh, our wedding was the Friday night of that weekend series. Cole Hamels struck out like 13 or 14 Washington Nationals, and people kept getting up from the reception to go into the nearby bar area to watch the game. (laughs) And then we were on a plane to our honeymoon on Sunday. I did not see uh, the clinching final game of the season when the Mets lost to the Marlins, and then Brett Meyer strikes out whoever he struck out for the, yeah. the final out and all of that. I missed all of that because I was getting married. It's, it's funny because you got to be careful when you schedule weddings. We got a wedding invitation a couple months ago, and I looked at it. It's like Sunday, October, and I'm like, Sun- who 
schedules a wedding for sunny in October. What are you kidding me? And I went and looked like, oh, it's bye week. Smart. Yeah. And, I t- and I'm friends with the dad, the mom and dad. Actually, uh, they are the uh, brother and sister-in-law of somebody who is on hold right now, Mitchie Tools. It's his, nice. his niece's wedding. Um, right? Am I right? Yes. And um, I said, that was pretty good planning. That it was bye week. And he said, no, they actually didn't plan that. They just got lucky. We, we planned, they planned. They said they planned it a year ago. Our wedding was on a Friday night for two reasons. One, it was a little more cost effective. And two, the Eagles, we knew the Eagles would be playing on Sunday. We knew there would be a lot of my colleagues and friends who were sports writers and mm-hmm. media members who'd be covering that game. Right. So let's get married on the Friday night right. so that if the Eagles are on the road, Everybody's people will got still be able to, to attend the wedding. Little did you know the Phillies would make the playoffs, as he said, for the first time in 14 years. Who knew? Right. I want to get this in before the break because John wants to come at us, and uh, we'll give him a minute to do so. What's the matter, John? Yeah, uh, just a minute? Come on, guys. John, I, I got to hit a break. <laughs> I love I, I, you guys. Well, right? well, hold on. Here's and the my, alternative. And my, and the alternative, hold on. The alternative is you would like to wait. We can get you on after Charlie Man. You want to wait 20 minutes? No, I don't want to wait that long. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. But look, and before I forget, um, Mike, uh, maybe you can address this after Charlie Manuel. I'm the guy who wrote to you a couple times. Uh, so you wrote that article about not having a punt returner at all. Yes. I don't know whether that was tongue in cheek, okay, and you were just uh, baiting people to write back. But, I mean, that was the most ridiculous thing I ever read. Don't put anybody back to return. I already told him that. You now have 30 seconds. What's on your mind? I got 30 seconds. So here's what I want to – here's what I really want to address. Why why do Philly media and people continue to talk about people? What do you want to talk about next? That that uh, uh, McNabb's throwing up in the huddle, or you want to talk about McNabb's not was... playing them this weekend? They're playing yeah, Carson yeah. Wentz I, for the most, first most... time. Hold on, they are playing Carson Wentz for the first time since he left. He is an extremely important person in this town in the last ten years. Ignoring that is just weeks. foolish. You can't wait for this game. Everybody's circling it. Forget about it. Who cares? I Move care. on. You know what, John? Most people care. But thanks for your call. 215-592-9494. Coming up, Charlie Manuel, the skipper, with Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, and 94 WIP. It is noon in the Delaware Valley. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 215-592-9494. We're going to go to the phones in a few minutes, but this is our time to do This Week in Philadelphia Sports History. Brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports where there's a story in every stitch. Visit their new location in Wayne and Lancaster Avenues in downtown Wayne or at ShibeSports.com. And don't forget, $50 gift card from Shibe Sports to the best caller of the day. So, Mike. Glenn. 19 years ago this week was the closing of Veterans Stadium. The Phillies uh. closing of Veterans Stadium. Uh, I'm going to play you just a little bit of it. You'll get the tingles. <laughs> this is Harry Callis. On that last day. Veterans Stadium is more than concrete and steel. It's a place we will remember forever. As you know, baseball is a game of numbers. In the history of Veterans Stadium, 2,617 regular season and 25 postseason games have been played here. More than 500 players have worn Phillies pinstripe uniforms during more than 24,000 innings. The biggest number of all, it's you fans. More than 68 million of you fans have been here to see the Phillies play. And I'm telling you, he gets a little choked up. I watched it. He yeah. gets a little choked up there. Yeah, at the he end. does. He, Harry was the best. Gosh, he was so good. He was so good. They did that so well. I watched the whole thing, which mm-hmm. was like an hour long, right? Yep. 
and they had Mike Schmidt circle the bases one last time, and Tomei's on the team, and he and Tomei embrace at home plate. And um, it's when Tug was really ailing, and they said the last pitch at Veterans Stadium has to be by, and a limousine drives across the field, and out comes Tug McGraw. Wow. Yeah. And he throws a pitch. And they just, they hit everything right. They had, here's, you know, every, for every year, that they were there, I think it was 1971. Mm-hmm. They had a flag, and behind the flag came several guys from that team. And you, you know, great players and obscure players. And sure, the Phillies, and I think they still are, have always been so great at that kind of thing. They always nail the historical stuff, the nostalgic stuff. They they really do a great job with that. And you know, they had been in that stadium 32 years. Uh, they had the best years of the franchise in that stadium. When you're talking about you know, basically 76 to 83 mm-hmm. up till that time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I believe me, I, I can remember the first time I went to the vet as a Phillies fan as a kid. I went for my eighth birthday, and I think I've told this story before, um, got upset at the game because uh, I wanted a kiss from the Philly fanatic, and the Philly fanatic <laughs> missed me the first time around, and I got upset, and then the fanatic came back and hit me with his tongue and everything was good. Oh, so you're okay. Yeah, I I, I've say, gotten over it now. I know people. It, I could still arrange that. It, it, it took years of therapy, but okay. I got through it, yes. Uh, a couple other things about it. One, in contrast to the Phillies, do you remember how poorly the Eagles handled that? Uh, yes, and there are reasons for that, I think. Okay, um, let me just say what they did, and then you can explain sure. the psychology of it. They did nothing. Yeah. They had, they basically, and I think it was halftime of a game, ran a play where Jaworski handed off to Wilbert and he ran down the field. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yes. Why did they do it so poorly and the Phillies did it so well? I think it comes down to this very simple fact. The people who owned the Phillies were still tied to and had affection for Veterans Stadium. Jeffrey Lurie, from the time he bought the team in 1994, Wanted to get out of Veterans Stadium. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, I didn't buy, blame him. Yeah. yeah. He buys the team in 94. They have a new stadium within 10 years. Yeah. And it was an early goal and they did it. Yeah. And he didn't like the place. He thought it hampered them in terms of signing free agents and being the kind of franchise that he wanted them okay. to be. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that they should have handled the closing of it the way that they did. You've got to understand your audience, understand the market and the city and the fan base and all of those things. I just think that that's what this comes down to is he he and the team wanted to be somewhere else. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're right on your other point, which is despite that, they should have recognized the moment. Okay, here's the other thing. And, and I don't mean to bring everybody down. When I watch that, and I, again, I watch the whole thing, it just struck me how, many, so, how so many of those people have passed. Yeah, yeah. Harry... Of course, and Dallas Green, and Tug McGraw, and Paul Owens, and Jim Bunning, and Andy Musser, who's yeah. doing the broadcast, and Jay Johnstone, and John Vukovic, mm-hmm. and Mike Ru- it's, I'm watching this thing. It's like, God, all these people, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. It's very bittersweet. It, it is. I mean, 19 years is a, is a pretty long time. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, guess. I, I, think, I think there is an element within the fan base and the marketplace that still a little bit kind of feels like, and this is crazy to say, but that Citizens Bank Park and the link are still new in some respects. Yeah, because, they feel it. They still feel it to me. Yeah, because people who grow up here tend to stay here. And so they're going to have memories of Veterans Stadium or Connie Mack Stadium or the Eagles playing at Franklin Field because they never left the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Anyway, that is our Shibe Sports, uh, Shibe Vintage Sports 
Moment of the week. Best caller gets a uh, $50 gift card to Shibe Sports. It might be Aaron in Norristown. Who knows? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hey, uh, real quick before, uh, you know, I think the last memory I have of the Eagles was the loss against Tampa Bay, which uh, is worse than anything else they could have done, by the way. Uh, but, uh, I was there, Aaron. I remember that I, game. So was I. Well, so, there. so sure they were going to win. I, yeah, he, that should have been the last memory for the Eagles, unfortunately. didn't. Would I, I been, will, that would have been the best memory. I, I will never forget the looks on fans' faces as I – because I was – you know, oh, it was the, it was a Walking Dead to the yeah, parking lot yep, that game. It yeah, was, nobody just, said a word. Nobody said a word. Vacant eyes. Oh my gosh. Yep. So hey, and real quick before I get to my Eagles point, uh, Glenn, that uh, welcome to Wrexham. Just watch the first episode. Rob McElhenney, who's from Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. his 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 inspiration to buy that soccer team was because of his love for the Eagles. Exactly. And the first first episode is all about like his love for the Eagles. Films of him at the Eagles games. Yep. He even turned their road jerseys into green color. Yep. That, for that for that anyway so the first episode is what I watched and it hooked me because of that and he yeah. goes back to the l- tiny little home mm-hmm. that he grew up in South Philly and gives you yeah. his roots as a fan yeah it's great. Kid and all that was great loved yeah. it yep loved it. so I um, really wanted it's a good so it gets better by the way so, um the one I want to talk about is I think organically the Eagles fans travel better than any other team in the country like you'll see fans from other teams at games but they're most likely are more so fans that live in the city i've never seen what you're going to see tomorrow like twenty thousand people in a stadium that physically come from either buses or drive or take the train and they're in another team stadium like you're going to see tomorrow you've seen numerous times and this phenomenon has been growing year after year and it's just going to be amazing to see the reaction on carson wentz who doesn't seem to handle you know things like that pretty well when before the game there's 20 to 20 to 30,000 Eagles fans in there doing the old skull using Hertz chant and booing him before he even takes a snap in the game I think it's going to be tremendous I've seen projections Aaron and thank you so much for the call uh that from ticket analysis and you know vendors and things like that that suggest half the crowd tomorrow is going to be Eagles fans at least yeah um, Could be. Which is incredible. I mean, it is incredible and it's not incredible. Look, the, the Washington Commanders, I hate their nickname, gosh, um, have just been so bad for so long. You know long. what the thing is? It, so they they changed their name, and I get it. I agree yeah. that they had to change their name. They came up with, like, the worst choice you could have come up with. Yeah. It's it's just... There they, are a lot of other things. They, they can't do so anything if right. If you think of the, the Washington football team over the decades mm-hmm. what is the 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 thing the instance the, the the part of that team you remember the most if you're a fan the offensive line the hogs the hogs yeah they should have been the hogs or something where they built right. that in yep right yeah. and they just ignore that and go for something which is so generic i would say the same thing for the cleveland indians become the cleveland guardians, guardians. maybe that means something out there i know it's related to a bridge and stuff but it's doesn't convey anything. no they th- both of those teams sound like franchises in bad sports movies that's what you name the franchise like <laughs> you know in an Oli- yeah, in another does. oliver stone movie about yes. football that's what you'd name you know, we're playing the cleveland guardians yeah, next week exactly. you better be ready exactly uh anyway yes so and and I want to I want to go further on this, but just to focus on on what's happening in Washington. Daniel Snyder chased away a great fan base. Yep. You know, I went to games there when I back when I was covering the Eagle stuff back in the nineties, mm-hmm. as old RFK Stadium, and it was rocking. I mean, it was literally rocking. You'd be in there, and and you'd think like it's an earthquake. And the fan base was amazing. Yeah. And they sang the song, and they did the whole thing, and they were kind of similar to Eagles fan base. In their passion, 
He destroyed that fan base, put a stadium in a bad place, bad stadium, bad team. And I have, you know, if you're down, like, why would you go? No. And so it's, hey, two-hour drive, Eagle fans going to go nuts. Yeah, and even worse with respect to Snyder is that it's the nation's capital. capital. Mm -hmm. Like, think about all the power people in the country who would be interested and were interested in the the team in the 80s and the 90s when it was great. Yep. The fact that they are as irrelevant as they are – and when they're relevant, it's for all the wrong reasons. It's just a total blight on the national football. I think Aaron's point, I hadn't really thought about it much, but I keep hearing all week, like, oh, there's 400 people going down on this trip, and there's 1,000 people on that. I think Eagle fans will dominate that thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You will see green throughout. I don't. Who's the broadcaster on the game? Do we know who's doing it? I mean, it's a Fox game. Do we know who's calling it? I don't right, know. Moshe, if you have a minute, see if you can figure out, find out who's calling it. They will be like, oh, my God, look at all these. They'll be surprised, but they're right. Yeah. You know the game I'll always remember that way? It I, was. I'm, I'm going to see if you say the one I'm thinking of. It was a game in Miami yep, exactly. against the Dolphins. Yes, 2003. Yeah. Yep, I remember that. I traveled Deuce. to that game. Yep, exactly. It was a December game in Miami. The weather was lousy in Philadelphia. The Eagles were on a long wing streak, and it was the perfect sort of perfect storm, really, to have – Hundreds of fans fly down to Fort Lauderdale and go to that game. And I think Brian Westbrook threw a touchdown pass to Freddie Mitchell that night. I wow. think. Or one of, maybe it was the other way around, but it was uh, it was a sight to see. Yeah, uh, that's the one I'll remember. And 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 tomorrow's going to be more so. Most was calling the game. Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, and Christina Pink. That is not Fox's A team. No, it's it Fox is. doesn't have an A team. That's not no. Stop. That's not true. Kevin Burkhart is terrific and i'm not just saying that because i've known him a long time and he's a friend he is absolutely great he and greg olson are going to do a terrific job coming yeah, the super okay. bowl, c- calling the super bowl oh, this they year got the super bowl this year yeah Ooh, yeah okay i will uh, not have any kevin burkhart blasphemy on this uh, show. okay all right boys <laughs> step back step back don't want to get sidetracked those guys tomorrow slareth won't still be caught up in his redskins nonsense but adam i mean He's gonna. He, they're gonna talk about it. Yeah, and we're gonna love it. It's yep. gonna be great. Uh, Todd in Mount Laurel is with us. Todd, what's in your mind today? Hey, Glenn, I got a lot, but man, you messed me up with that uh, Harry Callis thing. Man, you brought back right some great memories. Great memories with my dad, man. My my one of my vivid memories is when I became an Eagles fan. My dad. I was a believe it or not, I was a Cowboys fan when I was young. My dad got some tickets to the 1980 NFC Championship game, and I'll never forget that. And I became immediately became an Eagles fan ever since then. So, yeah, fond memories of the vet, man. Yeah, yeah. It's see, I did not grow up here, so the first time I went to the vet, I was 29 years old, and I thought. This is where they play and yeah. fill it out. This is like this city. I had been going to Tiger Stadium. Mm-hmm. I moved here from Detroit. And Tiger Stadium was a great baseball stadium. Yes, it was. Pontiac Silverdome was a horrible football place. <laughs> but when I came here and I'm watching the Phillies at the Fed, I felt like, this isn't great. But uh, Todd, you grew up in it. Mike, you grew up mm-hmm. in it. It's your memories. It's your family. I get it. It's Harry the K. Yeah. Todd, I get it. Well, I mean, it was just it was it, it it was the memories that were made there, and that's that's really I mean, yeah, the building sucked, but <laughs> yeah, it, I, exactly. I, I actually played college games there, and it, I, I know how bad it sucked, but Ooh. um, the memories that were made there, and that 
that you know when you were had Harry Callis, man, it just brought back that yeah. memory of my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he he worked at Temple and. You know, he didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of money, and he got enough money because I, I, I liked the Cowboys at the time. But it was you know the what? NFC Championship. Oh, you were th- that was the game. It was the NFC yes. Championship game. Yes. yes. First of all, your dad's the greatest. Yeah. Because he took you to that game, and he set you on the right path. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I is your exactly. dad still with us? Is your dad? No, nah, man. He passed. He passed away in 2010. And uh, what's your but, dad? You know, what was, was your dad's a, name? Leroy Lane. I Leroy salute Lane. today, yeah, Leroy Lane. Absolutely. <laughs> Toast that man today. Hey, last thing. Last thing. I know you guys were talking about movies earlier, but did you guys? Did you? Uh, you might have talked about this. Did you talk about the uh, on Amazon Prime term the Terminal List with Chris Pratt? I watched the first couple episodes of it, Todd, and I liked it, and then I got away from it. And I, I think I'm going to go back to it at some point. Yeah. I just haven't had a chance Dude, you yet. Gotta, you got to go back. That that's an, Chris Pratt's a great actor, but that whole storyline is, is, is unbelievable. But, yeah, go back and check that out. That was, that was, that, it's an awesome show. It said, uh, I, I know I like it's, that. It's all great kinds, call. It set all thanks, kinds man. of records for like, people watching it yeah. and things like that. Yeah, like, tons of it. people watched it. Here's the thing. I, um, Alan Sepinall is a, a TV critic, mm-hmm. and I think for Rolling Stone, yes. but I follow him on Twitter, so I, I, I read his stuff all the time. And he wrote a month or two ago, he said, in 2021, there were, f- um, uh, the number ain't right, but it's close, 568 scripted shows on major television networks and streaming services. Mm-hmm. said, I'm a TV critic. I watch about 10% of it. Yeah. So you and I do this, and I try to watch as I much know. as I can. And, you know, I'm watching the Phillies and the Eagles and everything else, but I really try to do it. First of all, I really like TV. Second of all, I feel an obligation because we do what we're watching. And because of that, people recommend stuff all the time. Yes. There's no way I'll get to it all. No, you're right. And some of the feedback that I've gotten since starting on the show with you has been, hey, you guys... <laughs> Talk about shows on streaming services, and I don't have any streaming services. Can yeah, you can you recommend that. something on ABC or and, CBS and or something like I, that? I, Abbott Elementary. Yeah, that, that was the network show that I liked this year. Mm-hmm. Watch Abbott Elementary, but I get that. Uh, Nick and Conchi, hello, Nick. Hey guys, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Awesome. Hey, well, listen, just just wanted to uh, kind of talk a bit about Torts and, and the start of camp. Um, you know, in my opinion, he's like the biggest tryhard in the NHL. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the, the kind of photo flying around Twitter of him standing over one of the flyers after like a bag skate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think they're just so far away from where the NHL is. And, you know, it's it's the head coach and how they're training. But it's also Chuck Fletcher and, and the talent that's on the roster, the lack of talent. And unfortunately, I, I really think it's a season to forget before we even start, you know? Um, so it, it's not, not looking good. Well, Mike, um, had, Hold on. Mike's got a goal for it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my, my feeling is, Nick, that the Flyers for a long time have needed to start trusting the process. Um, oh, you know, oh, uh, Glenn, Glenn's oh, ready to wrench oh, <laughs> next it. to me in the, uh, oh. in the studio, but it's true, oh. um, especially with the way the NHL has changed over time, the way the sport has opened up and goal scoring sure. has become back, has come back. They need top-end talent, and they don't have any. And right. so if you can get Connor Bedard, 
that would benefit you in a big way. You want to tank yeah. too? You want, m- I, well, listen. You know what? I, I've got to bring up. You know, we're wasting Carter Hart. Uh, like, you got to start to think. Like, would you move Carter Hart to you know get some picks, get some you know any kind of you know uh, secondary Hart? talent? Was he, tw- is he 23? I, I, yeah, I would not move Carter I'm Hart. Carter Hart's going to be if um, unless he is so scarred by playing behind this team for the next year or two, um, he's going to be a terrific goalie or should be for the next ten years. So you know, you try to build. A team around him as quickly as you can, but you got to start. They should have started already. And, you know, Nick is right. It's going to be a long, rough season. And the only ray of sunshine possible is if you end up with the first pick in the draft. I can't believe that you are advocating losing on purpose. Glenn, that we went through that whole process thing, which was what, four, five, six, whatever years, to watch a team that loses in the second round of the playoffs year in and year out. And you want to. Go and just lose on. I, I, I can't believe that you're there, Glenn. Of the last 17 years in Flyers history, they have finished first or second three times. Yeah, they, they've so got. How, how do you get great players? You I don't know. Them. How do good you teams get them. better? They are bad first. So you put, but you're putting all your eggs in the one basket. Well, you're no, gonna you're going to do gonna, this, and you're going to, you know, win the lottery, and Connor Bedard's going to come and say. What I'm you. saying, no, they need to be really bad for a while. Oh God, they do. No, I'm no, sorry, but I, they do. Okay. The okay. Colorado Avalanche were awful for eight years. The Pittsburgh Penguins got top three draft picks three straight years, and ended up drafting Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Mark Andre Fleury, and they are still making the playoffs based on those three drafts. All these years later, you have to do it. I'm sorry, but and, but the entire incentive structure of the league is set up that way. I will stand for morality. <laughs> that's it. That's my argument. My you know, argument is I'm going to stand for honesty we, we, and morality. We should we should frame this come the first week of November as like a, a debate, a campaign debate. <laughs> we can we can do that. I'm just I'm so disappointed that you, like a, a citizen of this world, a, a father of two, somebody lacks the just the the morality that you're gonna you know you're gonna lose on purpose you you can it's all right i'm not gonna change it that's okay you can have morality if you want to i mean the system is set up you to incentivize win. teams to do which this. is why i think they should do away with uh that kind of draft i'm with sport. you i i think they there. absolutely should we'll do that someday okay. two on five five nine two ninety four ninety four mike sealski glenn mack now on 94 wip but before we go let me tell you that this hour is sponsored by meridian bank Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Mike Sealski, Len Macnow, 94 WIP. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Before this hour ends, Mike and I will make our pick on the Eagles game tomorrow. Oh, by the way, Dinger just came in second in a 16-horse field at Parks. Not bad. Tuskegee Airman was the winner. Also, oh. also, also a cool name, yeah. Chuck Zachney owns that one. Oh. So we will, I'm trying to find out what Didinger paid there to, to play. So we will uh, we will see. One more quick thing, and then we'll get back to the conversation. Uh, I just want to uh, congratulate my son, wish my son the best. My son, uh, and actually my son Alex Macnow and my brother-in-law, Rob Graff, are riding together as we speak in the MS 100-mile city-to-shore ride. Oh, awesome. Which they are doing, well, which went from Philadelphia down to the Jersey Shore to raise money for the National MS Society. And uh, I just am really proud of them for doing that. And if anybody wants to donate, go to my Facebook page and you will see it. And you can do it and donate to a good cause. All right, Mike Sealski. Come at me, Glenn. Well, 
I just did um, yes. for your tanking thing, <laughs> but now I have to do it again. And and Warren and Ed and Rick will get you guys coming up in just a this second. Is, this but, is why you wanted me to be your partner, I think. Yeah, because you say goofy things. <laughs> so the the, 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 the the this is everybody in town is very excited about the Eagles. They're two and zero. The Detroit win was not particularly impressive. But they won. The Minnesota game was very impressive. So people are all hyped up and here we go and they, what do you know could it be a super bowl year what's it going to be and then i read one of my favorite columnists this week write a piece of which i'll just read one line from it maybe when everybody else is climbing aboard the hype train there's something to be said for the person who keeps a loose grip on the handbrake so you need to be that trolley driver <laughs> <laughs> with your with, clutching the handbrake to stall everybody else's excitement. You felt the need for that, did you? What I felt the need to do was just be one voice saying, hey, I've been around a little while. I have seen excitement like this before. It's great in the moment, but it passes. Invariably, it passes. Um, you may not sound like you have a digestive issue. <laughs> and one of the points I made in the column was it wasn't that long ago, five years ago, that we were feeling exactly the same way about Carson Wentz, especially after a Monday night performance in which he threw four touchdowns against Washington and yeah, yeah. you know had everybody going gaga over him. And yeah, they won the Super Bowl that year and it was awesome. And look, part of this is just me looking at my role as a columnist and making people go, you know what, let's look at something from a slightly different perspective. Uh, we I'm know, not a, we I'm know not a, that. I know, but I'm not a go-along-to-get-along kind of guy, Glenn. <laughs> I, that's fine, uh, and I don't want to tell you how to do your job. You're a terrific columnist, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Sielski, where he will engage you when you rip him, which, for the God's sake, I don't understand why you do that, but that's a separate issue. We know that that this this could work out badly. It's worked out badly ninety eight percent of the time when we have invested our heart. Mm-hmm. We lead with our heart, mm-hmm. knowing full well they may crush and stomp our heart. Right. You felt the need to remind me of that. Yeah, just a little bit because it was just two. It's just two games into the season, and I get look. This is an inherent. Wow, eat I, your vegetables. Well, look. Um, I don't know another way to put this other than the way I'm going to put it. Part of my job is having to take a step back from mm. fandom. Now, that doesn't I, mean I don't understand how I, fans think. I get it. I, I work with Ray for a thousand I know. I, I, I know. get a guy who, who's... I get it. You know, and and so I write my columns from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I was a fan when I was a kid. I was a fan... I would argue probably say into my early 20s. But once I started covering Philadelphia sports, professional and high college sports full time, uh, I had to take a step back from that so that I could look at things, try to look at things through a different perspective, through what I think is a more clear eyed, a little bit more objective perspective. Doesn't mean I don't get the fans here. Doesn't mean I'm not telling you that you don't. I understand. And I understand that you want to get that out there. I get it because people don't always comprehend the job of a newspaper guy, which is different than the job of a radio guy. And now you're, you're, yeah, I'm trying to straddle the line. Yeah. You're trying to straddle the line. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's like, Hey, they beat Minnesota. It was a really good win. 24 points. God, the defense was great. Did you see Hertz? He was good. And they ran the ball. It was great. And I pick up, I was like, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> they might lose, and it could all crash down <laughs> by Mike Sielski. <sighs> so, okay, that's it. I'm done. Okay, that's fine. Right. That's fine. By the um, way, Dinger played three, $3 to place, 260 to show. So, oh, okay. If you bet on Dinger, you didn't exactly. No, he didn't clean up. <laughs> still got to pay the college tuition. Yeah, right. All right, Warren in Gwinnett Valley, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Warren. One of you has to be positive and the other has to be negative. I mean, no, we don't do that. No. Don't. And, I, and Warren, just to be clear, I, I don't no. take positions in my columns or on this show just for the sake of taking them. Uh, I don't do that. I, I just kind of felt like the wave of, oh my God, this is awesome, <laughs> needed a, just a slight counterbalance. That's yeah, all. A little counterbalance. And, and, and please understand. We are not Skip Bayless and and Stephen A. Smith. We will never, and I don't do this. We will never, like as Mike just said, come up with a position just for the sake of just coming for up the with sake that of position. It. Right? Just, I, just I don't. Record, I don't play that, that game. Okay, yeah, got it. Just, cool. That was okay. a joke. I got it. Thanks, Warren. A- anyway, it's. Um, I'm very impressed with the Eagles so far that they got through uh, Minnesota and survived uh, Detroit. And uh, surely the season looks much brighter going forwards. And I think that this Washington game is as much a home game for the Eagles as it is um, for the uh, the Commanders. Mm-hmm. And I also have a um, another name for the Washington football team, if you're interested. Sure. Um, based on the Hogs, I thought that they could be the Washington Squealers. <laughs> so it's no worse than so, what they are. Wait, yeah. No. So so wait. So when they play uh, Pittsburgh, they can be the Squealers versus the Steelers. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. All not right. bad. That's not the worst. Yeah, rim shot. <laughs> red hogs, ward hogs, something hogs. One of the proposals was red tails, which I think yeah, you know, which, tie back to the Tuskegee Airmen, which yeah, would have been cool. Which just came up with right. the, uh, they the won, horse a couple won today. Yes, yeah. yes. They, it's it's yeah. such a poorly owned franchise. It's bad in every room. We have had bad owners in this city. We have never had an owner as bad as Daniel Snyder. He takes the cake. Yeah. Uh, Ed in Cape May. Hello, Ed. Hello there. Uh, Mike, I, I don't think fans would be fans if we had to put our uh, heart into reality. I, I agree with you completely, Ed. I agree with you completely. Um, like I said, I'm, um, I'm mindful of that thinking and that feeling, uh, and it informs what I write, but sometimes I'm just going to, you know, turn it in a slightly, from a slightly different angle. Yeah, sports is fun. Um, Back at the very last game, game at the vet, I had bought tickets for myself and my dad. And uh, as it got closer, I guess within a week, I realized I couldn't find those tickets. Uh-oh. Oh, man. So uh, uh, I think it got to be two days before, and I said, Dad, how bad, how bad do you want to go to this game? <laughs> he oh, said, man. I really want to go to this game bad. Oh. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be one of the greatest things I've ever done. This is great. See uh, Jim Bunning and uh, Richie Ashburn and all of this. Is, holy crow. So I uh, I ended up doing something that was kind of new at the time. Mm-hmm. I ended up going on eBay. And uh, the day before, I managed to get tickets on eBay. Wait a second. If you lost your tickets, couldn't you have called up the Phillies and say, I lost my tickets? They didn't. Uh, 
they, at that point, they wouldn't replace him. I called and asked, and they said, well, uh, you know, we don't have a... All right, so wait, so I got it. we got to hit a break because we're late. So you got him on eBay, and... So I get him on eBay, and I'm just kind of hoping that this guy actually shows up at, at the vet. Oh, oh man. So and... I, got, I got cell phone. I got my dad in the car. So we're driving down, and uh, uh, I... Of course, I, I didn't tell him I lost him. I I, I said I got to go in and get an exchange. Of course, if if he knew that I had Ed, I literally have ten seconds, so you got to just give me the end of the story. End of the story. We went in and had a great time. Love it. Awesome. Good. Glad he got there. Yeah. All right. We'll eBay. come back. We will come back. We'll grab a call. We'll uh, talk to Moshe Kravitz about what we forgot to talk about and. The folded piece of paper will tell you the exact score of tomorrow's game. Greatest sound effect ever. Thank you. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. And I will be doing that pregame tomorrow morning along with Ross Tucker and Joe Giglio, Elliot Shore Parks, Merrill Reese. Who else we got? I'm leaving somebody out, which I don't want to do. Anyway, all begins tomorrow, actually 10 o'clock with Dave Spadaro. We count down to kickoff. Very excited about this game. Should be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, let's grab one more call and sure. then uh, get to a couple things. Rick in Easton. Hello, Rick. I will be donating to your son's cause, as you know, both your sons were Thank one you. of my yeah. favorite wrestlers. Yeah, he, so Rick was a wrestling referee. Yep. Who re- my son was a high school wrestler, and, and uh, my son still remembers that Rick once called him for stalling. Whoa. Twice, when, when he was in the match, that's why. Was anyway, it the, uh, Rick, was it the right call? That's all that matters. Of course it was. Okay. It was 40 years I know myself. Anyway, just like you guys know your stuff. Real quick, guys. Uh, the reason behind the Flyers issues is Comcast, just like the concession of his Aramark and Eagles traffic to the police and the director of traffic control. This is a rant for me. Um, you have a really bad that, you have a really bad connection, but I want to see you are saying that corporate ownership is what's really hurting. Oh, geez, I gotta let him go. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Rick. You just sounded like you were calling from the bottom of a well. Hey, we talked about ownership with Dan Snyder. It is fair to question the ownership of the Flyers. Everybody remembers what it was under Ed Snyder. It was uh, yes. a very different affair. Having said that, I would I would suggest that their problems predate uh, Ed Snyder's death. I would say that the problem started before that. So yeah, I wouldn't disagree. You know the uh, the the constant going for it every single year eventually led to them bottoming out. See, the and system. and that worked when there was no salary cap exactly because you could cover. You know, it's like oh, we signed Adam Oates. Well, that was a big mistake. We'll just like goodbye Adam Oates. And Snyder was willing to just keep paying that. So even when his even when it was wrong, his I couldn't fault the guy for his intention in spending the money. Now, if you do that, you get whacked under the salary cap. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. And you need to have a farm system in, in a salary cap age, and they don't have one. All right, Mike Sealski, I hold in my hand a folded piece of paper. Okay. On this piece of paper is the exact final score of tomorrow's Eagles Titanic tilt down in Washington against the Washington Commies. I would like you to give your prediction, and then you will see the truth. As it will happen. Okay, so my prediction, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, I think the Eagles should win this game. Uh, it's going to be a real mark against them if they don't. Their defense is set up to handle Carson Wentz, you know, apply pressure with the front four, cover in the back, force him into turnovers, let him make mistakes. Um, the offense has been playing too well. I mean, A.J. Brown hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Uh, Devontae Smith was basically absent week one, and they're still piling up yards and points. My prediction, Eagles 31, 
Washington 14. Well, there you go. Look at mine. Well done. Glenn Mack now predicts Eagles 31, Washington 21. Yeah, so, I mean, essentially the same thing. I give them that late, cheap touchdown exactly. against the backups. But yeah. I think you're right. I think they're going to dominate. And I th- and you mentioned the receivers who will be big. I think it's going to be the run game. Washington mm-hmm. is a disaster against yes. the run. They were last year. They continue to be. I think it's going to be a big day for Miles Sanders, who's going to go over 100 yards. Yeah, the passes will work. Hurts will be great. They're going to score points. It's going to be easy. You know, the the only downside, it seems like, is actually having to drive to Landover and <laughs> go into that stadium and sit and watch this game. Our friend Merrill Reese hates I FedEx know. Field oh, can I so much. One of my favorite moments of the pregame show tomorrow. We are talking to Merrill. Hold on. I can give people the exact time because I got the rundown here from producer Jack Fritz. We are talking to Merrill at 12.13 tomorrow. And I invite people to tune in to 94 WIP because Merrill will roast that stadium. He, he hates oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, and, he, and he doesn't hold back. Well, you are appearing in uh, – you're going to be appearing in a production of Clue. I am. Coming up in, in a month or two. Thank you. Yes. And uh, it's one, more of, players one of my favorite movies from, from my childhood. Colonel my son, Mustard right my, here. My sons love it too. And there's that great scene where Madeline Kahn talks about how much she hates – the woman, her husband had an affair. Yeah. D- flames. Flames. Oh, yeah, that's it. On the side of my... F- that is yeah. Merrill about FedEx Field. That That that's is good. exactly let's it. Let's see if I can get him to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, let's wrap up the hour by telling people this. Uh, sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking, it's best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Moshe Kravitz, who is our best caller of the day? Well, uh, Todd... In Mount Laurel, just had a great call about uh going about his memory of the vet and being there with his dad and everything, and it was uh on, made him on, an Eagles fan. Yeah, yeah, it made him an Eagles fan, and just on uh on the day this week in Shibe Sports, we uh had you know the closing Harry Callis closing down the vet, so I thought we should give it to Todd and Mount Laurel. I love that. Congratulations, Todd! You won a fifty dollar gift card to Shibe Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or visit ShibeSports.com. Moshe Kravitz, what did we forget to talk about today? All right, well, I'm going to kick this off with a quick rant about Fox Sports and their cut-ins, check-ins to the Aaron Judge home run watch during the Phillies game on (laughs) Thursday night. Guess what? No fans watching that Phillies-Braves game care about the Aaron Judge home run watch and if you want to do a check-in because it's history, and I respect history, do it in a small box in the corner. Don't cut completely away from the game. It was yeah, ridiculous. Then, I didn't know if, what happened to the Phillies game for two minutes. Right, and if he hits one, you can enlarge the box. Exactly. You yes. can bring the sound like the OJ in. chase. Just keep it on the screen, and if something happens, we'll show you bigger. Uh, oh, there it's we Aaron go. Judge going to maybe hit 61 home runs. That I, I agree that it is history. And if they had done a full, just half and half split screen, I would have been okay with it. But they completely cut away from the game multiple times. All right, good rant. And Aaron Judge walked. All right, I like it. What else? All right, well, uh, some slight concern for the Eagles on Sunday uh, that we didn't get to with the Cooper doc. Landon Dickerson has a foot injury. That is all we know. Some fans are are asking for Cam Juergens, who has not played guard for the Eagles yet, to get the start at left guard, Sua Opeta 
is listed on the depth chart as the backup left guard. What do you guys think? Sua Opeta has experience in the NFL. Cam Jurgens is not a natural guard. I would go with Sua Opeta. I would too, uh, particularly in this game. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. All right, last Cam thing will from, get there, but yeah. Last thing from me: last night in Los Angeles, one man took two swings and made history. A swing, a long one, left center field. That's the gunner, a gunner for Pujols. One away, partner. From 698 to 699, the 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes. Left field, way back. That's home run number 700. Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022. What a great moment, a Hollywood moment here in L.A. And Albert has been writing Hollywood moments all summer long, and you can add this one to the list. 700 home runs for the great Albert Pujol. And that call from uh, the Cardinals radio. Okay. Do you know who the names of the broadcasters are? No, I should have looked that up, shouldn't I? Yeah, that's all right. Hey, Albert Pujols is an all-time great hitter in Major League Baseball history. You're talking 700 home runs. You're talking 33... You know, 3,300 hits. You're yep. talking an OPS over 900. What, three MVPs? He's yep. an all-time great. He's an all-time great. Um, and it's great to see this happen as he finishes because his last three or four seasons, he, he had yeah, just... Yeah, you, you wouldn't have expected this. Right, and I think when the Cardinals picked him up, it was like, yeah, whatever. We'll just mm-hmm. let him finish it out here. But he came on strong and he's really helped them be a great team. The interesting thing to me, and I don't mean to be negative about it because I really applaud Pujols for this, and I've really enjoyed his career. Pujols just hit 700 home runs. Aaron Judge is looking to break the American League record, and to many people's mind, the real record. Yes. And the country's not infatuated. And once upon a time, those two things would be huge. Yeah. I think there's a couple things at play. I think we've talked about this. One is that because baseball it doesn't occupy the same place in the stratosphere of American sports as as it once did, that's drawing attention away from these guys. Uh, it's the way we talk about sports now, right? Baseball plays a game every day, and so much of the sports discussion is about is in the empty spaces. What what is going to happen in this game coming up next week? Who's signing where? Who's you know getting traded there? And then the other thing I think is that that the steroid era. Yeah. diminished the power of the home run. I agree. I agree. And, and with Judge and Pujols, there's no reason to believe that they have cheated, but still... But you still don't want to say that they're doing it completely yeah. cleanly. All right, and good there stuff. There is the one fact that 700 home runs, so he's only the fourth all-time. Yeah. Probably will never happen again. Oh, I don't know. I don't know it, about that. I think it's fair. It's more likely that somebody gets to 61 again than 700 again just based on how many have done it. Well, yes, okay. That's saying, true. But like, it seems more we'll, listen, likely. We'll never see a 300-game winner again. That, that we'll is never 100% see. true. A yeah. 700 home run? I think we'll see uh, one. I, I mean, Judge could get there, right? We'll see. Okay, we'll see. Well, Moshe will be old at that point, but we'll see. <laughs> Moshe Kravitz, nice job. Mike Sealski, uh, you got an event today people can come out to? I do. I'm going to be at the Bucks County Book Fest in Doylestown today from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. We, it's both a book fest and a pub crawl. So you're going to be bouncing wow. from one go. bar to another that in works. downtown Doylestown. That I'll works be ta- well. It does. I'll be talking about my book, The Rise, uh, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. So if you have nothing to do, you're not going to watch college football, 
coming up to Doylestown, and uh, I'll sign a book for you. All right. We want to thank Charlie Manuel for joining us, our pal Cindy Webster for help making it happen. Uh, I will uh, see you next week. You're off to Eagles, uh, off to, to Landover, wherever the hell it is today. Uh, tomorrow, yes. Tomorrow? Okay. Yeah, long day tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Thank you. L- looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Go Birds Radio coming up next with Elliot Shore Parks and James Seltzer right here on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.